Uh, I'm going to call the meeting to order, please. Trustee Lawrence? Yes, I'm here. Trustee DeVries? Here. Trustee Hernandez? Here. Trustee Banerjee? Not here yet. Trustee Charlotte? Here. Trustee Jensen? Here. Trustee Lujanani? Present. Trustee Thompson? Here. Trustee Zorthian? Here. We have a quorum. Great, thank you. Um, at this portion of the agenda, I will open it for public comment, and I have uh, some individuals who wish to address the board. The first is Mr. Packard, Jen Packard. Yes. Doctor. Yes. Okay, didn't say, but. Mike up there. Yes, please. Good afternoon, everybody. Okay. Hi. Uh, I'm Jin Packard. I'm a medicine third-year resident at Highland. Um, I just came here uh, because I want to express um, my thanks to you for meeting with us last week. I'd like to speak briefly about our house staff contract negotiations. Um, our contract expires today. Uh, it covers the ED residents and the OMFS, the uh, oral maxillofacial surgery program, and uh, the medicine house staff. And altogether, that's about a little over 100 uh, residents. Um, so last week, um, we were able to meet, and uh, we appreciate your time and your effort and your support. Um, and that was frankly heartening and, uh, you know, it was encouraging. Um, but it's still kind of frustrating because we haven't made any uh, substantial progress towards um, agreement on a number of key issues. Um, and we've had very little counteroffers. Um, and we would like we would like to um, settle the contract and move forward uh, with our patient care. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, the next speaker is Kelly Quinley. No, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, hello, everyone. Good evening. I just want to thank you for the opportunity uh, to allow our voices to be heard this evening. My name is Kelly Quinley. I am one of the chief uh, residents of the emergency medicine program here at Highland. Um, and I just wanted to talk briefly about the housing crisis that I'm sure for everyone in this room is not a surprise or a secret. Um, but the housing prices continue to rise in this area. And the average debt for residents starting uh, residency here at Highland is $200,000. Some of us have more. Uh, myself included, and there's a consensus that we feel very strongly about the ability to live near the hospital, live among the patients that we take care of. Um, in addition to that desire, there's also the requirement that for the services that are on call uh, and taking call outside of the hospital, they have to live within 15 minutes driving distance from the hospital. Um, so something that practically, you know, very much affects uh, patient care. Um, some of us don't have any financial support from our families, and some of us, even like myself, I'm raising two small children that are in preschool. So there are extra financial pressures there. Some of the other programs around us, so UCSF gives $900 a month housing stipend for their residents, and Stanford, at least for the emergency medicine residents, even has housing options that they supply, they own, and they supply to some of their residents. Um, so we want to continue to be competitive. We want to continue to attract very strong and dedicated uh, residents for our patient population here, um, and we hope that financial pressures are not something that, that goes into consideration when they choose uh, another program. Uh, and so we are just very much hoping for your support on a possible housing stipend for the residents. Thank you. Thank you. 
Uh, the next speaker is Arnold Brillinger. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Oh, okay. Thank you. And for your cheery, cheery do here. <laughs> your duds, yes. Every day, I've got like eight shirts like this, and a number of pants and everything. So I, you know, I'm. It's not like I'm wearing the same thing for a month. <laughs> but I, I came to tell you that I think that the Alameda Health System. You know, I'd, I'd love to come up here and say thank you, thank you, thank you. But I've got to say, I think that we're going to have to pass out bags of coal for Christmas. Now, I've come here a number of times, and, I, and you know why I'm here. Because I'm a resident at the, the uh, SNF, Park Bridge. And they do a very good job. But what we're finding is that more and more of them are jumping ship and going on to Highland Hospital or to S, uh, UCSF, to their hospital. They're going wherever they get paid more money. And a number of years ago, they were told, just hold on, wait until we get the the money will get you up to parity. I was here a couple of weeks ago, no, a couple of months ago, and you talked about the fact that the people from Alameda Hospital and from San Leandro Hospital did not have parity, and you were trying to work on that. But that's been three years in the making, at least three years, that these people have been sitting there without getting more money. And they are leaving us by the droves. And I, I know that we, we get enough people there, bodies, but registry just doesn't cut it. These people do not have the kind of, um, the, the understanding of the people, the relationships with the, with the residents. And uh, they, they are compromising our dignity and our respect in, in, in the way that they do some of their work. Now, I don't have my stuff written out here. I'm sorry. But it's just that I need to emphasize again. The, you know, when, when I get a registry person in the daytime and in the evening in the, the afternoon, then overnight, another registry. And so I've got four registry shifts. You know, there, there is no continuity to my care. And of course, I'm, I'm able to express myself a bit better than most of the people there. And so that's why I came here to talk to you again and just say, please, let's get something going because the some of the greatest ones that we've had for a long time have left. And there are other ones that are saying, hey, my last day is the 30th, which is today. <clears throat> there are others saying, well, if it works out for them, I'm going too. 
Thank you. Thank you for your concern, sir. We will follow up. <coughs> Next speaker is Tim Hoffman. Tim Hoffman, this thing's not working. There it is. Uh, I'm here uh, as an attorney uh, representing an employee who believes that they were retaliated against, uh, believes that the HR department isn't doing their job, and that uh, the, the senior, senior uh, people uh, are not doing their job in terms of uh, following through on complaints, following through on his particular problem. Normally, in the, with the retaliation complaint, uh, I've been a lawyer for 50 years, mostly in the employment area, and um, we just sue. And I thought of a new thing. Why sue? What we need is an investigation of his complaints by an outside person, and we would uh, agree with the results so that we all could save a lot of money. That is, the, the hospital could save money, I could save my time, I'm not interested in, in litigating just for litigating. So I come here today to find out and let you consider whether or not you would be willing to investigate the complaints of a dedicated employee uh, who wants to do the right thing but feels that they were retaliated against uh, by their senior managers. So I leave it with you and uh, uh, ask you uh, uh, to consider uh, hiring an outside investigator uh, to investigate the matter because the alternative is a lawsuit and then an investigation that you would do yourselves and I would have to go around taking depositions to find out what you found out. So let's save time and money and get it done. Thank you very much. And, and sir, would you mind speaking to the secretary and make certain you give her the name of the employee that you're referring to. Sure. Thank you. Uh, the, next, the next speaker is, I believe it's Myra, I'm sorry, I can't read this, Ilan, e, Myra Ilan, thank you. Dr. Myra Ilan, it didn't say doctor here, so I beg your pardon. No, that's fine. Hi, I'm Mira Elnan. I'm one of the internal medicine residents, and I'm also part of the bargaining committee for CIR, our union. And I am really excited and happy to have this opportunity to speak to you all today. And um, I just wanted to bring up one of the issues that we're bargaining about and talk about it a little bit. One of them is workspace. Um, 
we spend a lot of time in this hospital, and I think we know sometimes better than everybody else, or sometimes better than other people, what we need in order to get the job done, and usually that's um, good access to HIPAA-compliant workspace, and so that's something that we're bargaining about to, um, today. And or not today, but in these negotiations. And the hospital has so far made it clear in their contract that they're um, not willing to protect and allocate certain workspaces to us um, in the contract language. Um, and so uh, we wanted to bring that issue up, uh, particularly guaranteeing that uh, computers would be in call rooms, which is uh, standard across uh, medical training programs. And um, I thank you for your interest and your respect of this issue for us um, and listening to our concerns about our workspace and letting us uh, devote our time and our energy to serving our patients instead of um, spending our time and our energy searching for a HIPAA compliant workspace. Thank you. Thank you very much. Any additional? Okay, that concludes our uh, public session and I will now close that and move to um, the main agenda of the board meeting. Um, and I'm moving to medical staff reports. And welcome, Dr. Hearn. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so my name is Dr. Gene Hearn. I'm uh, the president of the medical staff for um, the Corps here at Highland, uh, John George Fairmont, and ambulatory care. Um, I'm here to present the report based on the most recent medical executive committee. Um, first, I have uh, an update on, we have three department chairs who are stepping down um, and we have so we have three chair searches which are underway at this point uh, the anesthesiology uh, chair search is ongoing Dr. Crozen is the chair of that uh, of that committee we are now seeking a new psychiatry chair uh, due to resignation and Dr. Evan Sivak is going to chair that committee we're also seeking a, a replacement for the stepping or the retiring chair of maternal and child health Dr. Johara Chapman and uh, Dr. Donna Carey from Pediatrics, who is the chair of Pediatrics, uh, will be serving on that search and uh, will be chairing that search committee. Um, it's challenging to some extent to have three ongoing searches at the same time, um, but we have we are we have enough volunteers. We feel confident that we'll be able to move forward. Um, anesthesiology chair search has been going on for a fair amount of time, and that is being reinvigorated at this at this moment. So. How long do you anticipate the process? Um, probably, we hope to have at least uh, the initial slate done in the first in the next couple months, and within four to six months, be interviewing um, and, uh, and have a timeline probably filled within six to nine months. Okay, thank you. Any questions on the part of the board? Yeah, um, I'm just curious with the search, how much emphasis we put on internal candidates and, and from within. Absolutely. Well, um, so in any. In any chair search, the obviously best practice is to is to have a national search, um, and there are challenges, obviously. But there will be uh, there's a social media component and uh, and uh, recruiting, um, so there's clearly the opportunity for internal candidates to apply, as well as external candidates. Um, and the idea is to have a, enough of a balance in the in the search committee to uh, um, to express to to not only encourage internal candidates, but also to encourage external candidates. Um, for the most, the most robust searches have a fair number of both. And do you, um, are you seeking input and in, in, uh, engaging this, the, the staff as far as, you know, kind of 
what they're looking for in a chair to kind of a, a 360 eval to, uh, to, to, to inform the search committee? Um, absolutely. That's, that's sort of the best practices at, at, at this point. Um, in addition, there will be members of those, de those departments who um, will be represented on those committees as well, um, so obviously, so they have, they have good input. So that's the plan, at least. Thank you. Right. And uh, we'll move on to Alameda. Actually, I have a number of Oh, points. I beg your pardon. Oh, I'm so sorry. Okay. This is the first of my many points. Oh, I'm um, so sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, another thing we actually talked about in the, in the medical executive committee uh, meeting was uh, this notion of inclusion amongst our um, patient population and um, where a number of members of both medical staff and, uh, and the residents have discussed the notion of um, recent times in our society and how our most disadvantaged population and disadvantaged patients may feel um, reluctant to come to hospitals, public institutions for various reasons, whether it's socioeconomic or um, if they're concerned about deportation and other issues um, in regards to the um, current state of affairs. Um, and so a number of people, both in the medical staff and, on, and the medical executive committee, we agreed that um, it would be good as an institution to advance a, um, a campaign, if you will, to make sure that the public is aware that we, in fact, do serve all. Um, it's clearly in our mission statement, and a number of the people's, uh, people in the medical staff, as well as the medical executive committee, have hoped for um, the public relations department and marketing to come up with a campaign sort of in the relatively short, uh, in, in the near future, to reinforce the fact that although um, despite what's happened in the world, we clearly are an institution that is a safety net that is welcoming and is a sanctuary to all patients. So that's my second point. Thank you for that suggestion. I, I you know, I, I, they are troubling times and I'm finding so many people um, I, I know who are undocumented, who are frightened, and I see that in the education community as well. And exactly. and so making certain there is a safe haven and they can get the services they need is really critical. And I feel like there's a there's almost there's a there's an emphasis in in the timeline that it needs to be soon yes. to to reinforce you know a big banner across the parking lot is you know something, but uh, but to basically say we are still open to all and we serve all and that's our purpose here. So I just want to reemphasize that. Thank you. I think administration has heard has heard that, and so did the board. Thank you. Great. Thank you. Um, next, um, I want to make a point that in the next two years during my term, I want to focus on physician wellness. Um, our medical staff bylaws have a physician wellness committee that has been relatively inactive, um, and it is something that is dear to my heart, um, not only as a physician here, but um, on the national stage in terms of wellness more and more emphasis has come on. Um, there are a number of uh, studies showing physician burnout, suicide, etc. that um, there was some recent pieces in the New York Times in the last year of two interns in New York City uh, both committing suicide within a week of each other um, in November. And um, physician burnout and physician wellness is something that is incredibly important and I don't think um, we've sort of focused on it enough uh, within our medical staff, so that's going to be a a main focus of mine in the, night, in the in the coming years, wellness and burnout, not only in the medical staff but also in the in the GME, uh, the resident uh, level as well. Um, moving on to that, 
that is actually also part of the Beta Heart program that we are participating in um, as, a, as an institution, which is basically taking care of um, uh, promoting organizational-wide change uh, that instills trust, and it's basically a holistic approach to reducing harm, which is also taking care of the providers themselves. Um, and there's a second, there's, I don't know, if, there's the notion of a secondary um, victim or the second victim effect, where if a provider um, has made a mistake or if there's an error, um, not only is the patient harmed, but the provider also um, is potentially harmed as well mm -hmm. um, in their ability to, to see patients further and to advance their own, um, uh, it, uh, to continue seeing um, patients and providing good medical care. So it's part of the process and the institution is signed onto the Beta Heart program, which is, a, which is incredibly important. Um, and then finally, we are also um, partnering with administration for moving towards a, a sense of, um, uh, of quality and, uh, and harm reduction in terms of a just culture. People are familiar with that term, but it's moving away from the sort of the traditional blaming uh, and perhaps shaming aspect of dealing with um, healthcare mistakes uh, and moving on to a, a, a culture of learning from those mistakes. And, and moving forward. So um, that's something that both administration and medical staff have, have uh, agreed that is something we're going to move forward with. So a just culture and a team steps approach. And so you'll know that the board recently went through um, our, our own in-service relative to the aspect of just culture and it's a part of the strategic plan So, uh, which comes on the agenda tonight. So the board is also uh, bought into that same notion about a just culture. Wonderful, and it's—I mean—it's sort of a shift change, a, yes, a great sea change. Yes, it um, is. But from medicine, so I'm happy to hear that. Mm -hmm. Great, thank you. That's my end of my report. Okay, thank you. And if Guy can move to Dr. Yako. Oh, I'm sorry. I just uh, wanted to just touch on your desire that we promote the fact that we have a mission that serves all, and I think that our CEO sent out a really solid message to the staff right after the election that that you know captured that. And obviously, we can't agendize a, a resolution tonight, you know, or anything like that, because it's not on our agenda. The Oakland City Council last night affirmed that the city is a sanctuary city, uh, just as San Francisco has. But um, we can't do anything like that necessarily. But we could ask um, the administration to uh, promote that that uh, that mission uh, in some way in our in our in our front lobby. Right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's mm -hmm. an action we could do since it fell mm -hmm. under his report. Mm -hmm. um, I think we all agree with it. I, mean, I think it's captured in Zellbecchio's memo. And so, um, yeah. so we'll follow through on that. Yeah. One. So, like, yes. like as long, I know he's not here, but I'm sure everyone will tell Zellbecchio what happened while he was in traffic, right? Yes. Yeah. All right. Great. Okay. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Yako, before well, you I'll give be your brief, report, right? no, before you give your report, <laughs> I, I, we do want to thank you for your service here. It's been a lot of fun getting to know you. Um, you've been a delightful con uh, contributor to our meetings, and I, I personally have enjoyed you very much. I think the rest of the the rest of the board feels the same. Well, so. Thank you. This was, uh, as I was mentioning to you before, it's always great to be around good people, and this was a two-year um, trip with good people, and it was very pleasant. It was a very pleasant trip. And I thank you, and I have many things to thank uh, you for. I, my bag is full of sugar plums. Uh, and, uh, and I want to thank the, the board and the organization for bailing out, resuscitating Alameda Hospital, which was quite, quite impaired, quite mm -hmm. ill. And uh, the debt is reduced. The, uh, 
capital improvements have been made, equipment is good. It, it really it, it deserves an A for what it was. It was slow, and, and the medical staff. Yeah. Uh, at one point, the medical staff was not that happy, but it, it, the, during my two years, I've seen it really do yeah. well. Change Thank takes time. Much. Yes, yeah, it really yes. did well. Thank and, you. And the parity with uh, salaries is there. The employees are, are are very happy. I've spoken to them. So kudos <coughs> to all of you and the leadership of this organization. It's been a, a great run. Uh, but the remaining problem is the lack of contracts, and that is hurting hurting us. It's going to hurt mm -hmm. San Leandro when their contract time comes up. It's been over a year. We sure hope that something can be done. I think political pressure is, uh, is something that maybe I don't know if it's, maybe David can talk about that. But I think political pressure is is what, what I, I have faith in. But. has been affected. It is bringing payers back to the table. <clears throat> I believe we're going to be making a uh, more detailed presentation. Dave, Dave you have to speak up your microphone. We'll be uh, making a more uh, detailed presentation of the Medical Executive Committee that's coming up, but um, uh, I, I do believe we're making progress on Congress. So that, I mean, we've seen progress, so we we know it can happen, and we hope that that will happen. And we're happy with the team we have to work with, uh, the leadership here at this table. Uh, it's been great. Welcome change, and we thank you all for, for your responsiveness and effectiveness. So it's been really quite, quite impressive. So I, I, I have nothing but uh, great praise for you and some concern about this, uh, this uh, <coughs> very, very short food supply on the platter. But uh, <laughs> the platter is very nice, but the, uh, we need the contracts. It's, it's very... You know, a year is a long time. And it, was, it was a year in October, so. Yeah. So, I'll be glad to take any questions about the, the health of Alameda Hospital, which I think is very good. Okay. And, and David, during your finance report, will you give us a, an update on the where we are with the contracts? Sure. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay. I'm going to move to the president's report, and uh, I wanted to thank the trustees for their um, taking the self-assessment and wanted to get a little bit of your feedback. If you remember, I sent you out a memo uh, encouraging you to take that. I did not find it necessarily helpful for our process. Um, so I had suggested to you as a group that... Um, we could collectively draft some questions that might get a little better at what our role ought to be and and our own evaluation of the kinds of things that we ought to be doing and are we doing it effectively. And I'm particularly concerned about the communication and the ability that the board has to have their opinions voiced and and make certain that you're a part of this collective effort to advance the organization. Um, any comments relative to the assessment? Yeah, I, <clears throat> I actually thought the assessment, uh, for, for me, it raised more questions than answers, because it asked. Uh, there was there was a, a, a number of there were a number of questions on the assessment that a I think applied to private systems, not public, mm -hmm. so they weren't really relevant. Uh, but b there were questions on there that had me wondering if we're doing our job. Uh, because it asked about things that I hadn't heard of. And that doesn't necessarily mean that we're not doing our job, but it, 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 I would love to look at another public 
systems assessment answers and maybe compare ourselves to that as, as, as a guide or, or maybe if we print out the assessment questions and have staff here that are, um, that are you know, educated and obviously our, our staff have experienced a lot of you of, in multiple systems because there were things around quality uh, and, fin and, and fiduciary responsibilities. Uh, again, there were questions asked that I didn't know that we were getting to that level of detail. Uh, and again, I'm not on the finance committee, so maybe some of the fiduciary things, maybe we do. Um, but I felt I felt a little lacking, and um, and yet there were there were areas where they didn't ask questions about things that I thought we should talk about. So that's that's my that's my broad stroke analysis of the assessment. And, um, yeah. uh, Maria. Um, I felt the same. I thought that it was not really tailored to help us do our work um, as a public safety net hospital. Um, the other thing uh, that I would share is that in my other board work, um, the board evaluates itself, but included in that process is a 360 for each of the board members. So each board member evaluates the other. and. Um, and then that can be scary, but I think that it's worth doing because it is uh, another way to receive some really rich information about how you are coming across as a board member. What is your contribution? You know, where can uh -huh. you improve? Right, because right. any feedback, obviously, is good. Um, I thought that the areas were also a little bit off from where we are in terms of what we need to get uh, feedback on and assess ourselves on. And then the, the part that was missing for me was the real heart of what we do. Yes. Are we representing uh, our constituencies? And I think we, uh, as trustees, have multiple constituencies. It's patients, it's future patients, it's um, staff, it's you know partner agencies. And I never saw any questions mm -hmm. about how are we doing that? You know, how are we responding to those? for uh, communities that we need to be aware of. So um, it, it left me kind of thinking that particular evaluation was great for somebody else, but not for us. Well, um, it, it, we ought to be able to have a tool that, that yeah. can we can use in perpetuity. That was the word that I wanted, in perpetuity. And so I might suggest then that uh, I get some volunteers to work with our general counsel to, and we could call this a board ad hoc committee, and I don't know that there's any urgency around this, but it would be a document and then we can, over the next few months, draft something. So, Happy to. so we've got a volunteer. I would too. There's, there's yeah. another. Yeah, uh, and we have some, there are some other um, surveys that, you know, that Profit board source mm -hmm. and some of the others that I've kind of curated some of the questions that might be more relevant to us. So we'll share, but would love to serve on that. That is terrific. Mm -hmm. um, so, Joe, do you want to join them? Uh, sure. Yes. <laughs> no, I just want to throw out criticisms and let other people. Yeah, <laughs> you and me both. That's but that's that's what I prefer no, I, I, as well. I would, I would like to. Yeah. Um, yeah. Especially on the on the on some of the the, the addressing those some of the issues you raised about outside agencies and, yeah. and, and who we represent. I, I would love to. Yeah. Okay. So we now have a formal a formal um, board assessment committee, and we're calling it ad hoc, and you'll be working with general counsel on on that issue. That's great. And I could just I want to say also I think even if 
if if the two of you or um, two people had looked at that before we took it, you know, and just had some feedback. I, I'm glad that we did it, and it was the first time that I have done it on this board, and it's always good to do that, but I think that, Michelle, you may have gotten information back that you're like, well, what, what are they trying to say, or why didn't that make any sense? Which I know some of my answers probably said, Actually, we didn't, and once we get it, I will share it with the group, but because some of you were a little uh, tardy, yes, thank you, Joe, a little tardy in doing your survey, we couldn't get the results turned around. So it, they're in the process now, and I think you've all, you've all taken it. So um, uh, Susanna has forwarded it, and so we'll get the results, and I can bring that to you at the January meeting, and you can, you can see that. So you'll have some basis on, on at least on an instrument that we don't like, but nevertheless... Well, You'll have yeah. some feedback. Not be not liking it, but I think you're going to get my results I know are going to not make sense. I'm going to answer, um, yes, we kind of do that or, or not applicable when it, just because I didn't really, the question was hard for me to right. apply to our our situation. I agree. Yes, I agree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that it wouldn't give you anywhere to comment about yes. why. Right, right, exactly. So, um I think our attorney heard heard that issue. Okay, I want to go back, and uh, we need to approve the uh, the board of trustees meeting dates, and um, we can have it here for your information, and then a formally approve it at the January meeting, um, at our reorganization meeting. But uh, did you take a look at this? If you'll notice, and a couple things that came up with me um, is that. If you are on, uh, it looks like if you are on uh, the finance and QPSC, um, you will be meeting every Thursday. No, that's not right. Uh, HR and QPSC, you will be meeting every Thursday of the month. So all your Thursdays in the month will be taken taken up. And you know maybe that's a nice thing that we for the staff is that we always know that we're going to meet on Thursdays. So would you please take a look at this again? I need some feedback and comments. Some are not meeting every month. Some are quarterly meetings. So you for for other than HR because HR is reestablished. Right. You stuck to the same days of the week, times of the month. For the no, we moved no. there. When did we move everything to Thursday? That's the part I didn't. Oh, know. the education meeting moved to Thursday, right? Uh, okay. We we never did do that. This is a new calendar that is presented, so you can oh, move so it so that we could say that we. So don't you can do it say no, way. you don't want to do it this way. Okay. So what what how this came to us is the staff looked to see okay what what process can they use that applies to the notification of the Brown Act and yeah, getting the materials okay. out on time and all of those those kinds of requirements. And so they are presenting us this calendar that serves their purpose, hoping that it will also serve ours. But it is our calendar, and so I'm sure that if you if you can't live with it, then we the need to make we can we can change it. So I'm no, I'm really confused because it says, for example, January, it says a 12th, 4.30 p.m. Thursday board, but the 12th is actually Tuesday. 
So we have an error. So we'll thank yeah. you. Good, good catch. But fourteenth is great with me. Okay. So we'll do. That's a fourteenth. Susanna, did you catch that? Yeah. Okay. Well, then the eleventh probably Wednesday. Yeah, it's a Wednesday, right? And QPSC is still the same night as this. Yes. Uh, right. It's yes. On that. Yes. Yeah. So the doctors, right? They don't have to be. Uh, yes. Yeah. 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 They're they're still at the same. So we've moved the education meeting, or what we called the education meeting, which was the second Wednesday of the month, to the second Thursday of the month, correct? That's the proposal. Yes. That's the right. proposal. And we've kept the QPSC and the what we've called the business meeting on the fourth Four. Thursday. That's right. Okay, so I... I, I guess my question is, are, are Anthony and um, Gary both have committee assignments? And that's not going to change just so they can um, be informed well, when they vote on this. Um, I, I was asking them, and they agreed to serve on the finance committees. So um, I haven't given them additional assignment. And I thought because we needed somebody on on the finance committee, um, given that given that Jim does it long distance, we still needed some some additional support there. Um, so that's what you'll need to look at. All right, so you have this in front of you. It's coming to the January meeting. I would appreciate between now and that time, if there is an issue, that you will raise it with me so that I can make certain it gets to staff and we can approve a calendar because we've got to get this. The staff needs to know when and what to prepare for. Okay? So... Let me ask you this. Is it okay for us to accept the month of January specifically because they are, we're not meeting in December and they need to know whether or not this meeting is going to occur? So can I... And that'll be can January... I, it'll, 14th. 14th. It'll be the 11th, 14th. Nope, nope it'll no. be the... 13th. The finance. Finance is Wednesday the 11th. Wednesday the 13th. The 13th. The 13th? Yeah. Wait a minute. I, I think you're wrong, Joe. Oh, I'm looking at the wrong year. Yes, I'm so sorry. This is right. Correct. Yes, this is correct. Okay, so it's the 12th. Look at the wrong year you in, Joe. Go stand in the corner. Thursday is the 12th. And Thursday is the 26th. I understand exactly. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, that was that was exciting. That was exciting. Okay, I still need confirmation from you that January meetings are going to be. Oh, we can let staff know that they can plan on January, and then at the January meeting, the rest of the calendar will be approved. Fine with me. I have yes. one exception. Why did we move QPSC to three instead of three thirty? Oh, that's a good question. Oh, because we were always kind of running late? Really? Not really. I, I'm asking. No, we're changing the agenda. Scope is expanding uh, our scope. Okay, that makes sense. sense. Then I, 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 I motion to approve January. Yeah. Okay. Uh, all those in favor of January? Okay. Uh, and, and a follow-up question. Have we determined who will be on the HR committee? HR? No, no because the new... The new president, 
the, at the January reorganization meeting okay. is when all those assignments okay. take place. Our new people coming in, because I didn't want them to sit idle, I assign them to, to finance now. But then come January, what I intend to do, um, and this is going to be depending on who serves as, in the role of the presidency, um, will solicit um, where you desire to serve, and then that will be forwarded, and we'll work from there. I did. I think I asked you this by email, but there isn't absolutely a need to change the officers in January. There, there's no bylaws that that prohibit or require officers to be changed. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. So, to, to that end, actually, to Trustee uh, Hernandez's point, um, we, had, in anticipation of a desire to have an HR committee meeting in January, we uh, calendared a date, but I think. Um, we should wait, to your point, until the new officers in the committee are put in place. And so we would, uh, we would amend uh, this, the calendar that's put before you to not have an HR committee in January because that would predate the that, seating that's, of a committee. That's so. a great catch. Okay. okay, thank you. So we'll do that. Okay, so we're crossing off that. And hmm. what worries me is then you wouldn't have one until April because it's recorded. No, you can, we can stick it You'll, in. You will stick it in in February. We can stick it in February, March, or any of those other months. Sure. Great. Okay. Did you guys catch oh, anything? Right. Oh, okay. Sorry. Anything else? Uh, not now. Okay. <laughs> All right. That was a tough one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's okay. That's all right. Okay. Moving right along. Um, Del Vecchio, are you ready for your CEO report? I'm about as ready as I will be, so let's let's <laughs> go with it. Actually, I intended for it to be brief, knowing... Uh, all the board work and the other agenda items. So I actually only have one item, but uh, it'll sort of have multiple layers. So uh, good evening, trustees and everyone else. My sincerest apologies for my tardiness. Uh, plane was delayed, and then you've heard what's going yes. on around us. So I kind of ran into it on multiple fronts here. So, uh, But I'm glad to be here and glad to see you all uh, uh, again um, uh, for the last time in a formal setting for the for the year. So uh, the, the month of November has been uh, fairly uh, busy, uh, holidays notwithstanding, or holiday notwithstanding for the organization. Um, uh, a lot of stuff has happened. Uh, we did have our education meeting uh, actually right on the heels of the election, and lest I go there, which unfortunately I have to, um, I want to just sort of bring you all up to speed on um, uh, some of the considerations that are going on, particularly in the healthcare space, uh, which is uh, most germane to, to us, obviously, and, um, uh, and what the potential implications could be. So I figured it was important to kind of uh, talk about this a little bit, but I, I do want to say it with a caveat. Um, um, this is for my own self-therapy, but I think also for the benefit of the organization. Uh, well, I forgot to say um, in an accident on a plane with my lunch, and that's the reason I don't have on a tie. So, <laughs> so apologies for that as well if I look a little too casual here. But um, uh, back to the election point. Um, a lot of activity obviously is occurring with the new administration getting ready to uh, be seated and um, uh, just this week actually a, a few key announcements with respect to um, uh, a few uh, agencies that are directly related to uh, financing and um, uh, regulating uh, of the healthcare industry. So the announcements for uh, uh, the um, nominated head for uh, Health and Human Services and the head for CMS were, came out just yesterday, I believe. Um, perhaps one day, but just yesterday. And um, uh, 
Both of those individuals, so it's sort of a mixed bag, I think, uh, uh, in terms of uh, potential expectations for for um, uh, those of us who work in the safety net space, but those of us who work in healthcare in general. Uh, a lot of uh, considerations or a lot of um, um, tea leave reading is that uh, with the... Um, with the current uh, makeup of Congress as well as uh, the uh, the administration, the likelihood of a uh, move to uh, repeal and replace the ACA is uh, is greater uh, than perhaps it was before, um, and uh, so we we can anticipate some movement in that space. Uh, whether or not it's successful is still actually unclear because it does take uh, consensus on the part of sen- uh, the the uh, House and the Senate. And the Senate, as you know, is a little more um, balanced than the House in terms of representation. Uh, it is not a filibuster-proof uh, majority uh, for uh, uh, the Republicans in the in the Senate. And uh, there are some um, there's some consternations about what a replacement of the ACA would be, and whether there is enough consensus amongst uh, a majority of. Um, uh, the House and the Senate in either party to actually get something through, uh, but uh, we know that that notwithstanding, efforts should, uh, uh, or we can likely presume that efforts will uh, proceed in that direction. Uh, with respect to the nominees for the two, um, uh, the two um, regulatory roles, uh, both of them actually, and this is a, the bit of the, the mixed bag in terms of you know the potential for the safety net. Uh, both of them actually have a safety net background. Uh, the uh, nominee for um, uh, uh, HHS, um, uh, Representative Price, is actually an orthopedic surgeon uh, who uh, used to practice at Grady Hospital in Atlanta. As many of you know, that's where I was born. Um, uh, so he uh, comes with some uh, safety net experience. Um, it is also true that he is one of the uh, uh, the staunchest uh, opponents to the Affordable Care Act, and I think uh, uh, is one of the co-founders of the Tea Party, which sort of got its um, uh, genesis around the um, the implementation of the ACA. So, um, so it's sort of unclear there. And then the uh, woman who is uh, uh, the nominee for the head of um, CMS also uh, came from Safety Net. Uh, she had done some work with um, uh, Eskenazi Health, which is uh, actually... I forget what their new name is, or if Eskenazi is a new name. But it's in Indiana, and um, it's a safety net organization in Indiana. And uh, she actually was a fellow of our national organization, uh, which is called the America's Essential Hospital now. It used to be called hospitals. It used to be called the National Association of Public Hospitals. So she came through, worked in that organization, was a fellow in the program, really a program that sort of um, is geared at developing and nurturing um, uh, leadership in the safety net space. So she did that program 2001. Uh, parenthetically, I actually am a fellow of 2007, so uh, sort of have some kindred uh, experiences with uh, the the uh, um, the current nominee. And uh, so our national organization is sort of saying, you know, at the very least, we have people who understand uh, from from a uh, very personal perspective uh, the work that happens in the safety net and the importance of that work, and so that presents some possible opportunity to shape whatever comes out of uh, the movement that may may happen. Uh, uh, with respect to the political imperatives or the political uh, uh, desires that that will uh, um, will guide what happens in the in the years to come, uh, as it relates locally, uh, a lot of us in California Association of Public Hospitals and a lot of our leadership in the county have been getting together. Uh, the um, Healthcare Services Agency uh, and other individuals just talking about what potential implications would be. I think uh, where we are landing is. Um, 
ACA aside, we've talked enough about that, uh, there is the possibility of, of movement in Medicare and movement in, um, uh, in Medicaid uh, that could have some real implications on the population we serve, how that is financed, how that is organized. Um, uh, we believe that whatever that is could take a lot longer uh, to actually sort of um, um, design get through and implement, uh, so we'll have enough opportunity or we will have an opportunity to sort of shape that as it goes along. Um, Siri thinks I'm talking to her, sorry. Um, uh, but um, we, we will just sort of remain vigilant. The last thing I'd like to say on this front is that um, it is clear uh, um, throughout the country, I would say, but uh, in some ways uh, a lot within this organization and similar organizations around the Bay Area that uh, a lot of our providers, um, a lot of our patients um, and a lot of our staff are, are, are um, feeling varying degrees of concern, heightened concern about uh, implications of the, um, the current administration, some of the uh, sentiments and, and things that came out of the election cycle for what that means, not just for healthcare delivery and people we serve, but for themselves, their families, their loved ones, and it's uh, uh, you know, causing varying degrees of, of, of um, anxiety, I would say. so. Uh, there's move, movement happening uh, in uh, places like San Francisco where uh, the Department of Public Health just put out uh, some flyers that they're uh, um, sort of acknowledging and touting their, their status, San Francisco's status as a sanctuary city and uh, uh, the fact that they intend to uphold that, um, that commitment to their, their citizenry. Uh, we are looking and uh, seeing, seeing what's happening on this side in the um, sort of halls of government in Oakland and Alameda County and, and trying to be in lockstep with them. Um, we actually had some residents, I believe, I, I haven't gotten confirmation of this, but, but we had some residents, uh, emergency residents, who went to City Hall or the City Council meeting just yesterday to, uh, uh, to uh, profess uh, uh, a commitment and a, uh, a concern and a commitment to the patients that we serve here at uh, Highland in particular. And so um, we're looking at this and just wanting to keep you apprised of what's going on. And uh, uh, as you know, uh, um, uh, President Lawrence and I sent a message to the staff uh, uh, that was well received and really uh, reinforced that our mission and our vision stays the same as an organization, uh, that we're going to look to partner with whoever we have to partner with to advance our mission. Uh, and uh, we, will, we will look for avenues and opportunities to appropriately convey that in a, a, a balanced but uh, um, consistent uh, way. So I just wanted to kind of let you all know from my vantage point what's well, going I, on. I appreciate you saying that because in your absence that that concern was raised okay. and the board was in concurrence that we need to do some kind of public relations issue to make certain <coughs> that that the, our community knows that we in fact were con continue to serve all, mm -hmm. and that we are very dedicated to our mission. So whether that comes out in newspaper ads or flyers or whatever the staff feels is appropriate, you, you, the, board, the board is certainly behind that effort. And I think we spoke about this on November 9th when we came about really being intentional yeah. about being communicating far and wide that this is a safe space and right. things. So I think time also <clears throat> is uh, to be able to do some kind of public... <coughs> you know, assuaging of the anxieties, but to do it within a certain, you know, reasonable time frame as well. That, that's fair, and I appreciate that. Uh, yeah, so we, we intend to do that. I, I, I think we were trying to uh, see whether this was something that would, you know, would, would in fact sustain uh, or... And, and not trying to stoke it by actually our response itself. Uh, mm -hmm. It turns out that it is, uh, it does feel uh, that it is uh, fairly 
sustained uh, and uh, consistent. And, and so, yeah, we're, we're recognizing that and, and intend to, to uh, follow right, through on great. some of the things that we've talked about. Right. I have a couple of things. Sure, go ahead. Uh, just by the way, and also we mentioned before you came in, the Oakland City Council absolutely reaffirmed that Oakland is a sanctuary city. Right. So at least for Highland, um, you can hand out those flyers and put up those banners. Right. Thank you. I appreciate yeah. that. Um, I, I had two questions about the appointees. Um, uh, I mean, I the, so a couple of thoughts. I understand that the uh, the woman appointed to, to oversee CMS mm -hmm. from Indiana actually helped to implement the expansion of Medi-Cal and Medicaid or Medicare and Medicaid. The the, the basically the, the Medicaid expansion right. in, in Indiana. That's correct. Yeah. And that potentially bodes well for that expanded coverage. Holding. Potentially, it, it was done in a you know they, well they had to do waivers just like uh, we did. Their waivers were a little bit different. Okay. Uh, their waivers had uh, uh, things that were much more uh, palatable and uh, um, uh, uh, let's say likely to be be approved. And subsequently, that in a conservative administration, some of those things included uh, um, requiring outpatients in the expansion population to pay uh, a portion of their cost and if they fail to pay it they could actually fall off of insurance for six months um, um, and so those were some more stringent things that wouldn't have been approved in a normal uh, um, uh, um, under normal Medicaid rules but they were in order to get the plan through you know and the reality is the world is is, is diverse this country is diverse the same country that elected Barack Obama elected Donald Trump uh, different factions of the country obviously but we are the same country and so um, it, it, there are some who would say uh, understandably so that uh, um, the, the the past as as pretext in terms of her work there would would seem to suggest that there's a possibility that there can be a little bit more nuanced um, um, uh, action here. Um, uh, she was in a state that um, um, needed to do this uh, and committed to doing it and trying to find a way to do it for the state. Um, unfortunately, that doesn't exist in all the other, uh, many of the states in the country. And so what the, the marching orders will be on a federal level. But for the state that did expand Medicaid, it's successful, right? Uh, on balance, the ACA has, when you look at, it depends on which measures you're looking at, but in terms of actually insuring more people, I think it's unequivocal. 20 million more people are insured now who weren't before, um, uh, whether through the exchange or through the Medicaid expansions, and uh, uh, that, that success, uh, um, suggests success. Uh, there's some arguments about you know what's happening with premiums and premium support and things like that. Uh, there's some arguments about access that come along with that that I think are you know fair points to be made. Uh, there are challenges that we continue to grapple with uh, and, and a couple of other things. But but on balance, when you look at the overall objectives, I think that's that's true. I just unfortunately know that everybody doesn't agree with that. I just wonder when you said that the Dr. Price. Mm -hmm. Price, mm -hmm. is opposed to Obamacare. I mean, I, I always wondered like what part. Like Obamacare was a pretty big document. Oh my gosh. There's the public exchanges. There's the expansion of Medicaid. There's the pre-existing conditions. There's the covering college students till they're 26. What do they really oppose? Like, what are they going to keep? So I forget the name of the yeah. plan that he wrote. Maybe, maybe can, can you know more about this? Well, I mean, I, I think a lot of it is kind of having a more... Um, uh, free market model yes. for it and privatizing <coughs> parts of it and doing that. So there are some basic core elements, like you said, the, the copay, probably even Medicare being a block grant, uh, being a capitation. So there are all these models. And, and again, 
Tracy might also know about it, but he, he's been one of the most, most uh, vocal opponents. And looking at the last bill that actually cleared the Senate and the House, which reached President Obama's desk, but he didn't, is, gives you a little bit of a blueprint of what, because if you go to Trump's transition, you get very little information about what. So I think uh, part of it is there will be there will be parts of it that will be repealed, for sure. Now it's the question is that how do we, I think we need uh, a certain level of leadership right now and preemption that we haven't uh, way beyond what we've done before in terms of just, you know, looking at um, what the budgetary, what, what will be some of the budgetary conciliation, which parts of it will be targeted through the budgetary conciliation. Some core values will stay because the Supreme Court has decided, but there are executive orders that allowed the implementation, that allowed the expansion, that allowed some of these. Those will be targeted. And right now, because it's so uncertain, the only thing that you can... Uh, base your premises or speculation on is what has been said so far or these appointees, what have they done? Mm -hmm. uh, looking at the bills that they've passed, what were the language in those, what were the pieces that they were dismantling? So we're looking very closely at those things. But again, um, documenting science doesn't just, uh, you know, have the, you know, just because it's science, scientific fact doesn't mean doesn't carry it doesn't yeah. carry that. So being able to document what we do, how we do, the value of it, coverage matters, and all of that, all of us have to be working on that much Absolutely. more. So even the AMF media thing that we, um, you know, um, approved at the last meeting, just right. being very nimble about now what do we show uh, right. to the community, to the decision makers, to the nation at large, that this actually saves money, the, yeah. the work that we do. So and, I think this is an excellent point. And, and, and on that point, I, I'm sorry, I, I'll shut up after this, but um, you mentioned our decision makers. I mean, in California, we just learned that, you know, there's a supermajority and, you know, we've always been leaders, you know, and, and I think in California, the Affordable Care Act has, has worked phenomenally. Um, I mean, is this an opportunity for us to move even further towards something like, for California, with, to something like a single-payer system? Could we say, hey, forget it. We've got a network. We've got the political will. You know, as long as we get that Medicaid expansion money from Washington, could we use it to actually implement a successful single-payer model? So the caveat you just mentioned is a big one. Um, well, I know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So because I will tell you, and you know, we're going to talk about the strategic plan today. Um, it's it's. I, I think I mentioned in the last uh, session when we went through the plan in, in, in some detail um, that we had actually, and we had the document, but because of my timing, I won't be able to pull it up here. But I, I can share it with you. We in our environmental scenario planning, one of the uh, considerations, obviously, and this is back in February, was that we could have yeah. a, a, a new uh, a change in administration and uh, the political circumstances where the ACA uh, repeal could potentially get uh, be uh, successful, and what would that mean to us? And uh, it's kind of it's interesting that we what we did uh, through that process was reaffirmed that it would you know our our mission would still be the same and it would in some cases be even more important because the potential for people to um, uh, for rollbacks to uh, the thing the things that the expansion did do to result in more people being unsure would then you know really underscore uh, um, 
the importance of organizations like AHS in, in all of our uh, uh, counties. Um, the thing that we thought about from this sort of then how do we operate within this space is a little bit different. We thought, uh, well, if if nothing comes out, the worst that could happen is uh, the sort of the, the uh, financing that went into um, um, sort of structuring the ACA, a large part of which was uh, um, consistent reductions in the um, disproportionate share funding that was used to then move into managed care would just be dismantled and we'd get dish dollars back and other sort of supplemental funding. Um, well, the likelihood now of a big Medicaid block grant could actually be the worst of both situations because you could get the flexibility to effectively say, you can cover whoever you want to, but you got to do it with this much money. You can provide whatever services and benefits you want to, but this is all you get. And you, you, you all probably already know that as, as Medicaid goes, which is a, a state-federal program where there's a match, uh, California, because of the, uh, the uh, economic prosperity of the state overall, uh, gets one of the lowest matches of Medicaid, uh, Medicaid dollars in the country. We get 50-50, uh, so there's a dollar for a dollar. Why, uh, why is that? I'm sorry. Because of the, uh, the, the way that the uh, Medicaid program is set up, um, the match the, the state or the federal government requires the state to put up dollars, and then they will match those dollars. The rate at which they match them is sort of um, uh, um, almost inversely uh, proportionate to the uh, economic state of the state. So, if you are a wealthier state, then you get less of a match. Uh, if you are a less affluent state, then you get more for your dollar. So for every dollar you put up, you may get a dollar and fifty cents or a dollar and eighty cents. Uh, so all those states that California one voted one. red against government support actually take more government support. Yes, that's support exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes. We get so, <laughs> I, I didn't yes. intend to. Okay. This is why no. I only put one thing on the agenda because <laughs> I figured. Sorry. Yeah, but but our business is yes. is is this is, right. and so taking the time yeah. to have this conversation, I think, it is in preparation, it, and this it, is our role. And it is important to recognize that California um, mm -hmm. continues to be one of the largest economies in the world because we are so innovative and we have done very different things, um, you know, tax-wise and so on. And I don't want to raise something really uh, too controversial, but, you know, passage of um, recreational mer uh, medical and medical marijuana uh, has now added to our potential uh, tax base uh, a tremendous surplus of dollars as well. Not to say that that's how we're going to fund things, but I just think we have to acknowledge that that is something that we did in this state and it's very controversial, but um, who knows? We may have the buffer necessary as a result of that to continue to fund things where we have been funding them. Dream on. No, there I'm not. There will be costs associated. I, I That's think exactly there are. what like alcohol. I, That's the alcohol I, tax dollar. There's a I, I totally agree. similar dollar used. Okay. We, we're not going to, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> the, the president, yes, is going to take her prerogative yeah. to move. If, if I may, then just uh, in summary, though, and I do appreciate it, that, that I, I I purposely wanted to have this conversation because I do feel this is the uh, the, uh, the domain of, of, of this board and obviously the organization to track. Uh, as we uh, continue along these lines, uh, I think it'll be important that uh, uh, we we foster and uh, facilitate opportunities for you all as trustees to uh, to lend your your voices, whether in voice or in. Um, 
in writing or otherwise to uh, various levers of our government uh, uh, to to uh, do exactly what Trustee Banerjee was talking about. Whereas a lot of our work in the past couple of years has been um, some some advocacy and fighting for additional resources to do the things that we need to for our community, whether they're direct health care services or support services. Um, um, some some fighting, but also some just consternation about how to do these things. Uh, uh, that balance will probably tip tilt more to just you know much more sort of let's try to keep and hold gains that we have made uh, and try to uh, uh, prevent the the prospect that. Uh, work that we're doing to keep people out of hospitals, keep people out of emergency rooms unnecessarily, um, uh, that that doesn't, because of a dismantling of social services, end up basically uh, re reverting back to what we've, exactly. what we've seen in the past. Exactly. Okay. Um, I'm going to move the agenda along. Uh, we're going into the consent agenda. Uh, could I have an approval for, and I'd, I'd like to take this one at a time, the approval for the minutes first? I'll move. I'll move. Thank you. I'll second. Uh, all those in favor? Aye. Uh, great. And, Aye. Oh, thank you, Jim. Uh, I will take number two and ask, uh, are there any questions before? Uh, first, I need a, a motion to approve all the items on the consent agenda, A, B, C, D, E. If instead of just approving them all, I, I have two, um, a comment and a question about of the contracts. Okay. Uh, uh, but let's, for discussion, it doesn't... Or I can move approval and then, uh, and then you, we can discuss. Yeah. Okay. Uh, second. Okay. So we have a motion and a second, and so now let's have your questions. Um, my first question is on the Dupuy contract, and this would be for Dr. Jamaladay, I guess. Um, my question is, well, it's about the, um, when we have contracts for devices and for medical supplies, things like that, is there input? Is there a committee or some sort of input from um, physicians? Yes, yes. Because I know that these things are rapidly changing, and there's often new devices that are just slightly different than other devices. So, Yes. On this specific contract, uh, the chair of orthopedics and uh, Dr. Swapsha as well uh, approved, approved this, and we are... Uh, we're putting a process to ensure that all contra such contracts will be evaluated by the physicians. Okay. Good. That's my question. And, and, and I also want to make, well, it's not reflected on here on the backup information. You will see on the form that right. there is actual a medical that has gone through a medical committee and the doctors have approved. And that's a new, um, our new contract, IRA has added that on. Right. And, and I have to say thank you. This yeah. looks, this is so much perfect, great information. I really appreciate it. I probably wouldn't have even asked these questions if I didn't have this extensive report. But uh, So it's good and bad, I guess, right? Don't say that. Can I ask a yes, please. Report? So, and I appreciate that, and I saw that on some of the um, um, contracts, but the Siemens one for didn't say anything about whether the radiology... Yeah, Eric Yasumoto, the chair of radiology. Also it has approved. been yes. involved. Okay. Yeah. I just, it doesn't say, and I was... Yeah. Anthony. Do we pay for these parts in advance? We keep them on a shelf in a closet somewhere, or are this money to use them as they're needed? So, so there is like a, a supply chain and part utilization. Whatever is not used is taken back in the company, so there is no loss in it. Okay. It's like the newspaper business. 
My right. other comment is um, about the AIM contract for Alameda. I just want to say I'm very happy to see that. I'm happy that we've come to agreement. I, um, my AIM is, is a, a, a great group as far as I'm concerned, and they've done good work at Alameda Hospital for a number of years. So I'm just wanted to support that and say that's great. And also say again, these um, the report the report templates, it, it's really, really, really helpful, and I, I appreciate that this in there. I know it's a lot more work. I apologize for that, but getting this information, knowing that how the process has worked, especially the financial, mm -hmm. just a couple of lines about that is really Follow helpful, and ER. I think it will reduce down the road all of the questions and comments. Thank you, Ira. Yes, Anthony. I have a question on the Cranbrook uh, lease. Uh, what's our average price per square foot? The average price per square foot. David, we're going to ask that Gene. And um, you want to ask if, if we're leasing thirty-one thousand square feet overall with this new floor, um, where are these people now? <laughs> why, why do we need so much Class A space so when we've just built a new hospital and a new building with this beautiful conference room? It's, it's a newcomer yeah. question, by the way. Yeah, yeah that's, that's okay. But we answer well, right. too. <laughs> so I've got uh, I've got Eugene and uh, David Warmoff that will certainly provide you guys <clears throat> information. Hello, board. Um, so to answer your question, I'm David Warmoff. Yeah. Um, so the average cost for the term would be 293 square foot. So um, it steps up three percent. Is that? That's Triple net, the, utility gross, what's the? Full service. Okay. Full service. Um, the first year, 260, and then by the term for 2026, goes to two, uh, 339. Okay? And then the question about the Class A space, additional need for Class A space. Um, well, we're still growing a lot, and there's still a lot of trying to offload a lot of activities and consolidate people into certain areas. So, for example, here at Highland, uh, you know, we have a lot of system functions, not the C-suite, but there's other system functions that could serve the other medical centers by them being more centrally located and get around into those areas. There's no additional space for us to use in our current rent on the 12th floor. So the 11th floor came up available for about 8,000 square feet. Um, we have right for first refusal. Um, so that the, the need, so the, the need is to, when we finish doing our space study on figuring out who to relocate there, and then also tried to offload some more of the Highland folks, system folks, to make more room access for the Highland clinical that they can't be relocated. So that's the whole strategy around that. And when he says the clinical that can't be relocated, it means not relocated within the campus, but off the campus. So there's some clinical functions that we have in the older facility or older part of this campus uh, that's not conducive for patient access or for uh, the type of care environment that we want and so uh, part of the assessment that they're doing and that's not just at this campus but also uh, um, one of the other campuses but part of the assessment is what space do we need um, uh, to, for those services and to uh, address some of those needs and by extension then what are the, the resources both existing and, uh, and growing uh, that we would need to uh, centrally locate uh, with the services that we've already put in there. Did we look at Class B space, of which there's exponentially more available in Oakland than Class A, which is why we're paying a premium? Anyway, it's just a question. Yeah, no, no. Fair question. Well, I, I'm fine. You're I'm good. Um, so we did when we did the original study um, a year ago when we first started renting the 12th floor. Um, for this 
case in this scenario, it's about moving services are already there to keep supporting each other. And, and this is not worked out yet on any paper, but in the head, we have contracts, IRA, but legal is still over here. Um, so, you know, if you look at the synergy and things like that, it would make sense to put these together. So we would need more space to do that where we can actually build finances, another department that's still split up. HR still has services split up between old campuses. So once we do this study, yes, there's other buildings and yes, there's plenty of options. But since our staff is already there, 120 folks, to add another 40 that will compile and help with that synergy, that's the reason why we're still looking at that building. Okay, thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, any additional questions on the consent agenda? Yeah, I just, on these, um, on these summaries, I love them, and um, uh, I'll say it, you know, it would be great also just to see um, where the company's located. I actually did my own research, because I'm always looking to see if we, if we look for local Oakland, Alameda County vendors. I realize in some of these products, there's not going to be one, but uh, it'd just be great if that was on the form also, just so I don't have to Google it. We'll include that going forward. Thanks. Thank you, Ira. You really have made a, a great improvement. We want to thank you. I'm great. Thank you. Uh -huh. Okay, I'm ready for a vote on the consent agenda. All those, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Aye. Uh, Thank you. Um, we'll move to policies and procedures. A reminder to our new uh, members that the uh, QPSC, the board has authorized through their bylaws that QPSC uh, reviews the policies and in depth. Um, and so they go through this and uh, we, at the QPSC makes a recommendation to the board as a whole that these are policies that, that have in fact come through the the entire process, the approval of all the medical staffs, etc., and um, and the QPSC committee. So, it, may I have a, a motion to approve? Thank you. Thank you. All those in favor? Aye. Great. Aye. And, thank you. And they are available. Oh, thank you. Reading, if you wanted to, on board effect. You, on board effect, you can go and, and look at each individual. Yes. Um, okay, I have. Uh, we're going to move to our heavy our heavy action item tonight, and that's the Alameda Health System Strategic Plan. And I will turn this over to you, um, Del Vecchio. Thank you. Uh -huh. I'm going to figure out. Uh, oh, yeah. This <laughs> is like stop pressing buttons. <laughs> All right, I'm good, Dave. Thank you. All right, perfect. Uh, okay, uh, trustee. So, um, as we have uh, been discussing, uh, actually, over time, but um, um, since we started the process, but when we finalized the overarching strategic plan back in June or July, uh, we brought it before the board as uh, the plan itself, and at that time, uh, sought and uh, um, uh, you granted permission for the organization to, in earnest, begin the process of implementing the plan with a request to come back later after we uh, at least filled out the first year's detailed operational plans to, um, uh, to have some opportunities um, to discuss this several times and see how that plan is shaping out uh, um, and other things before you would uh, uh, want to or be prepared to uh, 
consider the question of approving the plan overall. So we've done that through a series of, of uh, sort of touch points throughout the, uh, the fall, um, bringing a couple of aspects of the support services to talk about how those uh, organizations or parts of the organization are um, um, aligning to support the strategic business units, obviously talking in great detail at one of the meetings about the business units themselves and how we reorganize the overall organizational uh, org chart and how we've begun to implement and um, uh, either repurpose or uh, create new leadership roles to uh, lead uh, the various areas uh, and parts of the organization and so, so on and so forth. So um, just to, I won't go into too much detail here. This is uh, old, old hat. Uh, I will say that these, these first two slides are effectively the, the overarching parts of the plan. So three, it's a three to five year plan with the crux of the work in three years and uh, two years being a sort of tail, if you will. Uh, year one being foundational, um, uh, really setting a new uh, structure and a path. Uh, year two, um, what we call transformation, and then, um, or I'm sorry, uh, transitional, and then year three being uh, uh, transformational, and obviously not discrete silos, but kind of uh, sequential steps uh, and big buckets to, to get us towards being a population health management organization, being able to take uh, full capitation for a population, uh, and be able to fund the organization both on an operating and capital basis to um, continue to um, pursue our mission and our vision as an organization which remained the same uh, uh, as a result of the planning process. There are parts of this I want to say that this is the, the we we heard uh, you Trustee Jensen that there are parts of the uh, plan that were um, th these two pages are as they were when we completed the plan and we thought it was important to keep them this way because uh, it gives us the ability to kind of look back at what did we modify over time. Mm -hmm. So, for example, uh, one of the things that you astutely caught and pointed out uh, on this, uh, actually on the second page here under facilities, uh, was that we uh, talked about, um, uh, what is it, uh, subacute expansion at Alameda Hospital was one of the things here. And, and at the time, that was, as we described uh, in last, the last meeting, that was the plan, and uh, as we subsequently have identified working with the uh, health district board. Uh, that location was uh, at the same location as the uh, infusion center, so we've sort of tacked in a different direction. Uh, that notwithstanding, we are looking at how do we um, uh, do an assessment of demand and capacity for our post-acute services, and you'll see in the plan that there are um, um, other areas where we're looking at um, uh, expanding our post-acute capacity, which is the spirit that drove that particular uh, um, uh, part of the uh, the plan itself. It was just something that we thought could easily happen in the first year in that location, which is no longer the case. Uh, but we kept this the same for that reason. Another thing I point out is um, at that time, uh, you know, we had uh, two different uh, parts of the organization, one government and community affairs, uh, and the other um, um, uh, marketing communication that we have now rebranded to call PACE, uh, which is Public Affairs and Community Engagement. All, uh, and it's it's a cons consolidation of that group and sort of a, uh, a repositioning of the group, all geared at making sure that any of our outreach to uh, governmental entities, to community partners, uh, our marketing efforts and the like uh, are all geared towards fulfilling and advancing the population health goals of the organization, the mission and the vision of the organization, not which would be wholly different than if it, you were in a 
you know, a, 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 I'm going to say more run-of-the-mill, and I don't mean that in any pejorative way, uh, um, um, not-for-profit organization or for-profit organization. So, so we are looking at, and you will see over time, uh, a, a, a utilization of that group that's really more intrinsically tied to um, uh, the goals of the organization overall. So, but at the time, they were marketing and communication, so that's just an example of so I'll move on into the business units. We talked in uh, some high level about each of the goals. Um, I talked about the goal process uh, by business unit and then by support service area. Uh, one of your requests uh, was that when we brought this back to put this in smart goal format, if you will, to talk about the specific goal, how we're going to measure it, some of the achievable steps that we put in, why is it relevant, and, and some timeline. You'll note... Um, uh, so we've done that. Uh, we have the top three, as I mentioned. We've um, had S each SBU and each support area go through and identify the goals for year one, recognizing that year one is a truncated year because we spent the first four months of it actually planning uh, because of the time, the sequence of when we completed the full-on strategic plan. Uh, uh, so we won't have a whole year to do these, but we identified the top three goals in each business unit. Uh, we also identified the top three goals in each support area. Uh, obviously looking for uh, synergies there because those things need to support one another. Uh, and we have these listed out for you in smart format um, that you've had a chance to see. Uh, we've made one or two minor modifications that I will point out to you as we go forward here uh, than what you have in your packet. Uh, just as we continue to refine this. Um, and then we took all of those goals and said, okay, these will be the goals by business units. So we will work with the leaders of those business units to um, uh, work on these goals in particular as we put them forward. But we're also going to pull from these goals, which are the most important to look at at a system-wide level. So as a system, we, which ones are we going to track and say, we're committing to getting all of these done. We're committed to getting all, all of them done by business unit. But as a system and as a uh, partnership with the board, we want to show you which ones we think are most we think are most germane for you to uh, track, follow, help, support, and help us to uh, uh, to achieve. And so you'll see that pointed out as I point uh, as I go through uh, here. And then obviously um, um, we end it with uh, what what do we do with all the other things that obviously we feel like we need to get done. A lot of great thinking around that and how we're going to um, uh, use those things going forward. So. Um, please stop me, but I'm not. My intention is not to go through each of the business units in detail. Uh, we did that the last time, but we put more meat here for you to digest and ask questions. And, and so I'm just going to kind of plot through here. I always feel bad just kind of zipping through slides, but uh, but you have them, and I think in the interest of time, I don't want to uh, bore you and, and walk through each of them. Uh, but if you have any questions with any of it, either now or when I'm done, uh, please feel free to ask me and and the team uh, here. Uh, but we have the ones for uh, um, or population health, uh, uh, ambulatory, uh, post-acute, acute. I'm going to pop through to I see uh, blue colors because that's where we've made a slight change from what you see um, or what you have. Wait. Did I? Oh, no. Maybe they weren't any in that group. Okay, here we are. So here's one in IT. So... Uh, you will note number three is a little different. Before, what we were looking at was... These are your major... I'm sorry. You're going so fast. These are your major... These yeah, are so your these are the system, top three goals. And, top system go, system-wide. Uh, for each SBU. The system one comes at the very end. Okay. Maybe I should have did them in a different order, but I apologize for that. So these are by each SBU, each of the top three goals that you have, and then, uh, then these are support service areas, and they're listed there, IT, HR, finance, Pace, I uh, mentioned earlier, quality, compliance, and care management. What are their goals and how do they uh, correlate with uh, the SBUs? 
Uh, so in IT, um, uh, the slight difference from what you have, uh, we were looking at initially as what would we do uh, by the end of the fiscal year uh, with respect to next-gen uh, expansion into the specialty clinics. Uh, we decided to amend this and uh, uh, do a timeline that reflected the expansion of next-gen or the implementation of next-gen into all of the specialty clinics. Uh, working with IT team, we determined that that is actually going to push us out until February of next year. Uh, but what we did was said that we're going to note that we're planning to do them all, uh, so there wasn't any ambiguity there. Uh, what we will do in this year, though, and, and very soon, I should say in this fiscal year, very soon is sequence that out, so we'll have a calendar by which we'll say uh, or indicate how, all of, how we foresee all of those specialty clinics coming on board and online and how we're going to manage that process, and then we'll proceed to do that, and our, our target is to have those done by um, um, uh, a year from the date that we're setting out here, so February of 2018. Uh, so that's one change. Uh, the other one, uh, 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 clarification in HR. So uh, this is related to, again, our... Um, last uh, um, um, uh, employee engagement survey. Uh, we have put in a uh, plan, actually one that you approved through uh, funding and either the last meeting or the one before that, where we're working with all of those tier three parts of organizations that are uh, had been rated by the employees as tier three organizations, meaning that that's where the lowest uh, staff engagement scores are, uh, but also then took those low staff engagement scores and correlated them with what are called APA, uh, which is action plan readiness scores, meaning that the, 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 the sensibility and the culture within that part of the organization is not prepared to actually implement any work to actually on its own do some improvement to get a higher uh, a tier score in terms of engagement. So we need to go back to the bases and work with the leader and the staff in those areas to improve the action plan readiness so that they could actually then have an improvement in their uh, uh, employee engagement scores. So we've clarified what we're working on here. So we're very clear about who those parts of the organization or where those parts of the organization are, the number of them, and what our goal would be. So. Uh, what we said is the, the goal is to, um, uh, we clarify that it's not just the tier three units, but it is the ones with the low action plan readiness scores and low is uh, classified as below 70%. Um, and yes? So, Sorry. You, know, you spoke about the wellness piece of it, and I was just wondering when you look at the support services and things like that, does mm -hmm. engagement, wellness, some of it go together, and I know you spoke about physician, but if we are looking at some of these other dashboard metrics for mm -hmm. whole system measures that, uh, you know, in some way quantifying or having as a dashboard measure the uh, the well-being index also in some way or, or the other. Just just a thought. Yeah, it's a, it's a great thought, actually. Uh, I, you know, we, we do have various things that we are doing. We have a lot of work that we're doing in the wellness space, both for employees, not as much, uh, actually, as I understand it with uh, uh, the medical staff, but, but some work, uh, some sort of uh, baseline work. And we have been talking about some engagements uh, uh, that are sort of best practices around what happens in a wellness space uh, for providers, and so, um, uh, and when I say providers, I mean all caregivers. So, mm -hmm. so there's some some discussion at least afoot there. I don't know that we have something that is readily sort of uh, um, discrete enough that we could we could put it as a goal, but we could certainly. Um, um, uh, you know, do some work on that, and then if that's some, if that's the board's prerogative, that and the you know the, the organization's prerogative, we could put something forward for you to yeah. see, uh, to consider. But yeah. we are doing work in that space. We haven't, when in fact, uh, uh, 
qualified one of those as the top goals for the organization. I do think some of that work, though, is embedded in uh, the overarching thing that we're doing here. Because I think the redesigning of the... Oh, go ahead. No. Uh, IHA just came out with this yesterday, I think. There, It's okay. the whole system measures 2.0. They had okay. one that was out in 2008 or uh -huh. 2009, but this is an updated one where they're saying, like, you know, each SBU has its own top three goals, but at the whole system level, having one quality or one well-being employee level goal is a very important metric to have. So I'll send you the link for it, Please. but you can have this <coughs> copy as well. But this has some, uh, also, you know, some of the subdomains and how, what, what's measurable, what's not, and what are some of the resources. So you might want to look at that. That'd be very helpful. Thank you. Thank you for pointing that out. So we'll be happy to take a look at that. Okay. Uh, thank uh, you. And so I'm going to sound like a broken record, but it's okay because I'm accepting that that's my role. Um, I still would love to support our HR team in finding a way to have the word inclusion and diversity integrated into its top three goals mm -hmm. because um, Oakland is the most diverse one of the top 10 diverse cities in the nation. Mm -hmm. And when I think about improving a recruitment timeline, mm -hmm. it's a good goal, but I'd like to see improve a recruitment timeline from post to start date that incorporates diverse candidates in all hires. The, the sort of sensitivity that I'm trying to convey here is that um, if we're going to promote a culture of inclusion, which mm -hmm. we know is linked to um, engagement, productivity, innovation, we have to call it out in as many different places as we can. So um, I know I've said this before, but there are ways in which um, our activities should reflect that particular um, uh, body of work sure. that calls out how inclusion uh, supports the kind of quality care that we need to provide to the most diverse patient population, probably, of a safety net hospital. So I can send my own comments, but I, I just need to call that out, that we should have that lens operating at all times, sure. given who we are, what we do, and how we work. Sure. Fair point. So. Okay. I was actually trying to, to look. I know no, this ended up being a different thing. So, uh, okay, all right, point taken. If you could send me the, 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 can you repeat that again, actually, if I could kind of just capture the, the, the edit that you were making to the goal itself? Um, I'll do that on, on paper for you. Okay. No worries about that. Don't okay. Worry. All right, thank you. I have a different question about the IT. Just if, if in the second year you're looking at implementation of a long-term IT plan, mm -hmm. Not even finishing getting next gen up until like 2018 is. Uh, I don't know. It, it seems a little. Uh, so, so a long range, the implementation of a long range IT plan will be some of those efforts. So uh, will include the next gen as our long range. Yeah. So, so you know, there's well, there's 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 two things. I, I think if if what you're getting at is the um, the. Uh, uh, pursuit of a in fully integrated e yeah, EHR, yeah. which is what we intend to do. Um, we, what we know is that 
So our goal is that by the end of June of this year, we will actually have a selection of an e EHR, and we, we're, we're committed to doing that. Um, the, once we make the selection, there's a timeline that starts the design build process, which could be north of when we did this in Los Angeles, about a year and a half, uh, working with multiple sites, getting standardization of care practices, and and you know building that that um, EHR that supports that, and then an implementation uh, and an implementation rollout could actually take another you know, two two and a half years in some cases. Uh, so in the midst of doing all of that, uh, what the long-range IT plan has been looking at is you're going to make that decision. You still have to do things to keep this organization going, and some of that will be making sure that you have maintenance, upkeep, you know, uh, 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 progress with, 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 within your IT system. So whether that is uh, on the clinical side with the HRs, whether that's financial side with financial systems, uh, whether it's administrative with things like loss and other sorts of things, there are things you're going to need to do before you get to your full integration or your ideal state. And so um, one of the things that we are acknowledging is that uh, our efforts to go towards a fully integrated EMR would not preclude the notion that for another two and a half years that uh, we would not have um, uh, as much um, uh, consistency amongst our EMR in our ambulatory space and, uh, in fact, in our acute space as we can to optimize the forms of the organization. So, and to that same end, then, it's a long time to wait for all of our clinicians to be up on the EHR. Yeah. On the outpatient EHR. I, I totally agree. Uh, it's just the, the nature of, one, well, so, so there's a couple of things to do, uh, or that could be, uh, that just it. You, you put more resources into it, and you um, further confound the, um, the, Ability, uh, or let's say, for, for the confounded access while you're doing it. So, so what we are committed to do, and when I get to the uh, big dashboard, you'll know is um, we have a goal in terms of access for this year. We, uh, as David has been reporting, and you've seen in other settings, we have greater access in terms of clinic uh, uh, visits than we had last year, but we're not at our, our goal. And so, we're committed to achieving that goal. One of the reasons we're not at our goal is we have continued to roll out um, Sorian and some of the primary care sites you've heard about the women. Clinic and other places. Next gen. Or, yeah. or next gen, I'm sorry. And when we do that, we uh, yeah, we cut uh, visits uh, because we have to in order to kind of get things up to speed and, and all that. But that notwithstanding, people still need access. And so we, what we're committing to do, and I think uh, the group is quite concerned with, with uh, me committing to do this, I'm a little myself, is we still need access. So if we throw more resources at it and there's a prospect that I will come to you at the end of the year, we have a 5% EBITDA margin. That is one of our goals, and we're committed to maintaining that. I have said to the group, and I don't mind saying publicly, I wouldn't mind I would, I would be less concerned about falling a little short on our EBITDA margin than falling uh, sh than, than sustaining our EBITDA but not addressing our access issues. And so uh, we're going to try to figure out a way to do that. I don't think it's going to be easy because it involves a lot of resources. It involves a lot of workarounds. We're still working within the same space and the same people. So it's not just a matter of you know, just throwing more people in and you'll be able to see more people. It, it's going to take some redesign and it's going to be partnership with our providers. Uh, and our patients to be able to do that. So, so you know, I think okay. we could make this happen faster. But I think we are we're sensitive to Im impacting the organization by extension our patients if we do too much too fast. But your point is taken. Are these clinics on paper? Uh, some of them are, I believe. Uh, yeah, yeah. All of our specialty clinics are are still on paper. Yeah. So. And they dictate their. They dictate their um, clinic notes so that we can we have access. Most of them do. 
So they get up, they do get uploaded, uh, but right now they're on paper. Okay. All right, I'll keep moving. Uh, so I think everything else is the same. I'm gonna. I, I want to say something about this slide. Which one? Uh, this one, paste. The paste, yeah. Okay. I think I um as I was um today I came over here for the investment committee meeting and um over the weekend I actually looked at um I I, I saw Jeanette's email and I looked at the um the new website for the labor website with all of the contracts and that was okay. it, it just really struck me this is a, a great act it, it, hopefully this is one of the measures one of the actions it really seems like it that is, is a, a great step towards sharing more information and and um and it, engaging at least our workforce. Absolutely, it is. It's actually uh, it's not called out specifically, but it's a part of. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's a part of our uh, uh, number one here, where so all of this is about in, in, increasing employee engagement, and we said an overall internal right. communication plan. So we're still working on finalizing the plan, but one element of it was uh, having direct uh, ability to interact with the staff and uh, provide timely updates with respect to what's going on in our labor space. So, well, exactly. so that's and already been. Launched. I looked at it as part of the um, internal communications, actually, too, as number three, to just sharing information. Yes. Comprehensive internal communications and making sure that um, that that transformation as well uh, uh, operational success the the relevancy you know improved communication is more engaged workforce and I, I thought that was a good example for me well thank you the website. Yeah. It, it, it is and that's what we're working on so I appreciate you pointing that out Jeff the, the the thing that bothered me the most about about the document itself was the, what I would call the kind of hit and miss way in which there is measurable accountability. Okay. And um, and I looked at it through the lens of how would I know that these things had occurred, mm -hmm. and what is what is and you call them deliverables, I call them measurable. Mm -hmm. uh, as an example, in number three, the comprehensive. Mm -hmm. y you know, I I. I believe my role is really to um, assess whether or not you've accomplished, not necessarily to decide, uh, other than I think Maria's comment is right right on the money, that mm -hmm. we need greater sensitivity in this organization about about diversity, and that should be a lens in which we look at everything. Okay. But, but that aside, uh, I, I, in many of the pages of the document, and I looked at it through the lens of how a board member or a CEO mm -hmm. would measure this, these things that are being done. And mm -hmm. if, if you're talking about SMART goals and you put it under measure, if you'll look at number three, for example, sure. increase employee engagement. If one employee is now a part of the engagement, you have met your goal. And so there was nothing here that told me what it is you they're, they're too broad. They're not specific enough. And huh. so um, there are things that you will implement. What does that mean? Sure. And a fully implemented plan looks very different than a partial, and what part are you going to implement? Sure. And I don't want to get into the weeds of this stuff. Sure. But if I'm charged, the board, when I say I'm, the board is charged with the accountability of uh, ensuring that these things have been moved along, there has to be something in which you are producing to show us that these things have occurred. Fair point. Now, I, I really 
I'm really very supportive mm -hmm. of the movement of the business units. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that that is the direction. The earlier your question about facilities, I can see how they're moving people so that the, the streamlining of relationships and communication gets better via the business units. Um, You've set this up so that each business unit, in fact, has accountability. Uh, I mean, has has ch tasks, etc., that they need to accomplish. But I thought it was very, very um, light on measurables. Sure. Okay. That, that to me was was the largest concern I had. So, so I appreciate the the feedback. I, I will assure you that uh, we, as we went through this, uh, and and certainly, yeah, uh, um, my my. Um, um, I would say probably nagging of Ishwari and, and the group uh, to do this was done through a lens of how would we demonstrate that these are actually achieved and and you are correct that there are aspects of the plan at this particular level that don't all lend themselves to a specific sort of you know measurable I mean a lot of them and I think there are a fair number of them that do lend themselves to here's a here's a baseline number Here's an intervention. Here's an outcome that we're trying to pursue, and you can actually kind of look at did we achieve that? A target that we've set, and did we achieve that? There are some that are pure yes or no. Here's a initiative we're trying to uh, um, address, or an area we're trying to address, an initiative we're going to do. Did we actually implement that initiative? Did we address that issue? Right. So, so it doesn't, you know, it lends itself to a yes or no, and there's some subjectivity to that, I think. But at least. From the standpoint of, like, for example, an internal communication plan or a marketing strategy, what I intend to do is, with every area that has those things that are a little bit more, um, um, let's say, subjective and a little less uh, objective or uh, quantifiable in nature, more qualitative in nature, is to say, you, I will have a process where I will see a plan, and some of the dates sort of support uh, this process. I will see a plan. We will bless that plan. We will then implement that plan, and we will determine if that plan got implemented and if that didn't move the, the needle. It is a case that a lot of, in the first year, the foundational elements of uh, this plan really then do tilt more towards implementing and establishing certain things and not uh, necessarily the transitional or the transitional. No, I, I saw that very clearly, that the steps that you're moving for. So sure. the first is the gathering of the information, developing the plan, etc. But a measurable thing is the product of a plan that is produced and shown. And I think so that, 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 that will happen. That you need to be able to say a plan will be produced. You know, I mean, that we need to hold that that... So if I ask you and they said they developed a plan, sure. you're going to be able to show the plan. It's, yeah. So that was my – the efforts that you're doing and the steps that you're taking I think, I think were really worthwhile. Okay. I just don't know how a board – what is it that you want us to hold you accountable and how do we measure that? So I will – so it's a fair question. I will say that at, at the board's level for, for an organization – of this size and complexity, uh, this detail is to show you what I'm what I'm working on and what I'm working on with the team that I wouldn't expect that you could could possibly actually uh, right. stay abreast of. What I expect and and recommend that the board, I'm sort of pushing through here, uh, focus on is this, and this is where we have 
distilled what we believe out of all of the goals by each of the SBUs and each of the support areas are some of the top areas that we think are most critical for the organization to focus on. doesn't mean we're not doing all the other stuff and that I'm not holding people accountable to that, but here are the things that I would expect as I work with you to create a dashboard to um, review and uh, um, uh, track performance uh, for these things over time. This is, I think, a manageable volume at this level of the organization, and and you know all the other stuff. And if you're ever interested in, or we think it's uh, uh, particularly relevant in terms of or germane for decisions you need to make, uh, uh, things we might be asking you to support, or things that are going on in the world at large that we let you know what we're doing about certain things, we'll bring other, uh, those other things forward. But this was a, an effort for at the system-wide leadership level and for. Uh, to your question, uh, what I would expect a board um, um, uh, to help me to focus on and help the organization to achieve, this is what we're proposing those things be. And, and so if I can well, walk... Well, take one and, sh and, and show me the measurement. Sure. So, uh, so for clinic visits, uh, the measurement is... The actual number is not on here, but it's in the budget. So if you... If you the budget that the organization approved uh, uh, shows where we were in clinic visits at the end of last year, the uh, total number of clinic visits we're expecting to get to by this year, and then where we, uh, well, the budget was that, uh, those two things. What we report on, mainly through finance, when we do the broader dashboard, is the financials, but we also report the, um, the actual uh, uh, statistics for the organization, so visits, hospitalizations, all those sorts of things. And that's the point that I make. So every month you're looking at a report, you're looking at it now under finance, but you might be looking at it in the future under a broader dashboard that looks at this that says, we're expecting to have roughly you know, 15,000 clinic visits uh, um, a, a quarter or whatever it is. Where are we uh, relative to that? How are we performing? So, so where where that? would I find that commitment for the 15,000 visits or whatever? whatever. It's right here. So it's in the budget. It's 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 uh, it's in the budget that you've already approved. So so this goal, this what we put forward here is we're committing to keeping the goal that you've already endorsed, and then we're saying that we'd actually like to. This was uh, these these target um, and, uh, threshold target and maximum were connected to a performance incentive program. I you will note that uh, I had mentioned to the board before I was going to bring that forward for the. Uh, a senior leadership for the organization uh, for a multitude of reasons. I've elected not to do that, but we're still committing to do this as performance management for the organization. So uh, there are two areas, clinic visit and EBITDA margin, where there's one goal and there's gradations of the goal that we're trying to pursue. The goal itself and the threshold is achieve what you have budgeted, achieve what we have committed to via the, the budget, and that's a commitment, I believe. Uh, the others are uh, a combination of things that come out of different SBUs to show balance for the organization that we're looking across the enterprise and trying to improve quality, trying to improve patient experience, trying to improve our, our network uh, uh, and our, our, our growth of our partnerships and our workforce itself internally. So uh, there, there are different goals that uh, cross uh, parts of the organization and at, at, in a manner of actually looking at how I would you know, do performance measures for, or performance management for my leadership, and then by extension, the VPs and the directors of the organization. This is the way in which we would do that, uh, irrespective of whether or not it's tied to an incentive plan, which at this point it is not, and I have elected not to, to bring that forward. I, I want to, I'm thinking that a better tact would be to uh, work with the HR committee that will be formed and then come to the organization starting from a baseline of a compensation philosophy for the organization for non-represented workforce and then how we might uh, tie that to 
uh, where we are relative to uh, the market and how we can uh, address those sorts of things, not just through um, um, compensation uh, adjustments, but also through uh, uh, pay for performance and other sorts of uh, goals that I'd like to achieve. Does that answer your question? No, but that's okay. <laughs> Sorry. I'll that's try. all right. That's I'll try right. again. I, you know, it, it's, you know, this is a two-way thing. You yes. understand it. I don't. So that's all right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, okay. It's okay, truly. It would, it would concern me if, if everyone else doesn't understand it. No. So I'm just asking. I mean, I, I appreciate uh, your, your um, concession to me, but I want to I wanna try to. So can I add, add something? It, it, it just seems like some of these would be hard to hold anybody accountable for because of the metric involved, if I could just say it that way. Okay. And I think it's more about getting very comfortable that you are comfortable as to what the board is going to ask you for proof of having completed some of these things. And um, I, I think a lot of these require enormous amounts of data crunching mm -hmm. in order to say that they've been achieved. Mm -hmm. And the actual metric isn't listed, so it puts the burden on all of us to try and figure out which metric would mean the most for that particular item. Sure. So without going into every single one of them, I, I would just encourage the senior team to come back and say, um, is there a metric that can be um, um, assigned to a majority of these? Yeah. Some, you're right, if, if, the, if the whole goal is about creating mm -hmm. a system or protocol, mm -hmm. then you're coming to us and showing us the protocol. You're showing us the result of creating this new system. Mm -hmm. But down the road, there's some of these that I think are pretty nebulous sure. uh, when it comes to the metrics you want to be held accountable for. So if I could, if I could try just to kind of walk through a couple here. So again, number uh, the access one. There's a there's a specific metric here. That is, yeah. what is the clinic uh, number of clinic visits relative to the budget, and we can source back to the budget and then go from there. Did we meet it? Did we exceed it by various levels? Uh, the even a margin. Again, we did actually put those numbers here: five percent, five and a half, right. and six. That's that's a that's metric. A that's clear. Uh, in prime, we couldn't put them all here because there are. There are actually nine specific metrics, but the metrics are actually specific, okay. and they're tied to our payment. So what, what, we, what we did, if you remember for Prime, the first year was submitting the plan, and then uh, the next step we had to do was uh, submit our baselines. In some cases, our baselines were data that we could actually track, and so we have that number. In some cases, it ended up being zero because we don't actually have um, standard practice in place relative to certain things, so, so the denominator is zero, so it ends up being zero. But, but there is, as mandated by the programs, improvement target. So if you're below 25%, the first year you have to get to 25%. Uh, and, and so we will either meet that or not. And that will not only impact whether I hit this goal, but it will impact our financing, to be perfectly honest. Um, uh, but the other thing is if you have, uh, depending on where you fall on that scale, then the improvement is also prescribed. It, it could be 10% above where you are. If you're high, I think it's some other uh, sort of metric. But, but that is clearly a, a very discrete metric, and I can, we can demonstrate that for you. Harm reduction and all-cause all readmissions, we've listed what, where our current baseline is and where we're trying to, which benchmark we're trying to get to. Uh, or, yeah, this in, in this case, baseline, this is a benchmark we're trying to achieve. Here we put in what the uh, baseline is for our organization and then where the benchmark we're trying to achieve. I think I did that was right. Yeah, assign the benchmark. Because uh, we want to reduce readmissions. So there you go. 
Uh, H caps again, very clear. So, and we report these to you. Uh, here's our baseline in each of them. These are the goals that we're trying to achieve. I would, I did want to explain this one because you'll see baseline is higher than the goal, which feels like that's kind of uh, <coughs> gaming the system. It in fact is not. Um, uh, I can explain that. I'll come back to it in a second if you want to. Um, uh, but then to just go through the others. So these three don't have um, very clear sort of quantifiable goals. But this is largely in, uh, well, this one, Alameda Health Partners. This one is one where, well, it is clear that we are trying to at least achieve, and that will come through the board, one new or modified relationship with a home care agency that advances our missions and our goals. So it may be that we take a partnership that we currently have and put some quality metrics in place around what we expect for the patients we see, we, we, um, we refer to those agencies and kind of create a, uh, a program in that way. But that, that one is explicitly quantifiable in that respect. Uh, the first one isn't. Um, um, uh, completely. There are some elements of this one that are, because uh, if I go back to that goal on the page, you'll see um, uh, that they have targets for the number of providers they want to recruit in the organization, so we outline those, but not every part of it is uh, quantifiable. And the behavioral health integration model is not a quantifiable thing. It is, um, at this point, as I re referred, uh, described earlier, this was before our uh, most prepared business unit in terms of readiness from a leadership perspective to move forward with some aggressive sorts of things. And then uh, both the CAO and the uh, chair of psychiatry left. And so uh, we've taken a conservative approach here to really rebuilding, but also partnering more with the county. So the details that support this one go back to the actual SBU goal. Uh, and there's some, you know, did we do X, Y, and Z, but they're not quantifiable in nature. Uh, and then this one is quantifiable. We have the baseline of uh, the recruitment date or uh, the timeline. It's about 80 something days, I'm remembering roughly, um, uh, as our Q1 performance and baseline. And 20% would be roughly a, you know, a, a 20 day drop off of that, or actually maybe 15 day drop off of that, or whatever. Thank you, 16. My math is bad. Uh, uh, so that one is clear, and we have a you know quantifiable way there. This one isn't quantifiable. It is uh, certainly a yes or no that we do certain things and this related to just culture implementation and certain elements of it. This one is also quantifiable. So going through that, there's really about one, two, three, really about three of them that actually don't have at this level a quantifiable, maybe you can argue four with that one, but all the rest of them actually have a specific number at this level that you could hold me and by extension us. And so what was the, what was the previous base? So you're, you're in number three experience. Three. You have a baseline of... Uh, um, John George, you want to talk about that one? Uh, I, any one of them. Let's try so, one. So, so. The, the baseline here is 66.3. Uh, this is for HCAP, so this is all acute. Um, um, uh, CG CAPS is uh, ambulatory, and John George is uh, separate because it's a different Prescani uh, Okay, so how, how did you how did you establish the target? What, so, what does that mean? So to to uh, refer back, so uh, a couple of months ago, as one of the educations, we had uh, Prescani uh, describe how we set targets uh, that are based off of looking at how. What, what sort of tier we fall in with similar organizations around the country, how those organizations have performed historically, and then by, by, by extension, what sorts of improvements are reasonable for organizations to make uh, based off of the experience, not just with us, but similar organizations around the country. And so we work closely with Prescani to identify what those 
what those targets should be that are reasonable targets to achieve in the organization. That actually explains the John George piece as well. Uh, what has happened in the behavioral health space is actually there are a lot of organizations around the country that have, uh, have, have made significant improvement and have, have had sustained performance like we have at the top tier. And what they've noticed is uh, by, as a result of that, uh, the net impact across the country is that there's been a 1.4 percent, uh, I, I think it is, or 1.4 point percentage point decline when you look at overall uh, movement organizations. So obviously some moved up more than that, uh, some moved back less than that, but overall the, the tilt has been uh, um, on 1.4 percentage point less because people are effectively capped out and it's tough to, to get improvement here. So Frescani recommends to us that it's more realistic for you to expect that you're actually going to have a slight drop there because it's not necessarily, the experience has been across the board that people are seeing a little, people who are performing at the top level are seeing a little decline in that space. So that's, we, we don't, for those in particular, we work with Prescani to inform us on, on what, what is a reasonable target for the organization. Thank you. Is that helpful? Okay. <clears throat> I feel like I'm losing you guys. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to lose you. Joe. Oh, I just wanted to point out that, you know, beyond those goals that have measurables, I mean, when it comes to the rest of the plan, I really like all of the action steps and steps to achieve. And I think we can look back. You're giving it to us now, so I assume you're going to give it to us then. Yes. In the future, you know, we can kind of go through this checklist and see if these things were done. And if they were and we still didn't meet a deliverable or, 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 or didn't meet the measure of success, you know, then you can reevaluate well, these steps, you know, these action steps didn't work, or this, this did work and this didn't. So, I mean, I think mm -hmm. in, in, in a lot of this, you've given us a level of specificity that tells us what you're going to be doing. And so, um, I always have a hard time, a lot of times, with these, with these metrics. But I have an easier time with action steps and knowing that the work is getting done. Mm -hmm. um, and it's if we're confident in you and your team and the plan, then we should be confident that these action steps are going to get us to, to, to where where we're going. How do you measure it? Well, well again, that's it. So, so in these cases, you measure it by yeah, did by it these. actually? Did, but I, some I, of them, it, it, it is going to be some of the, some of them. I'm, I'm acknowledging. Yeah, yeah I, I think I think every, you know. They, I think the reality is is uh, everything is not really measurable. And we kind of talked about this in, this, in the um, in the space of some of the work that we were doing with AMF. I asked for your concession that I didn't believe in some of the measures that were put forward because I think in some cases uh, there are there are measurements that are done, and so they attribute a change in something to something that's happening. But we don't operate in you know labs, and and so. There are other things that are going on around these things so that, like, for example, the thing that is employee engagement, we're going to be doing other work around employee engagement. So if I say that the, the work that PACE is doing has led to the improvement in employee engagement, that might not actually be true. It could be the work that we're doing with the Tier 3 managers is leading to employee engagement, uh, improved employee engagement. It could be the overall esprit of the organization and some of our success in other areas is leading to increased employee engagement. So. So I think in the foundational year, I'm, I, I, I think it's reasonable to, at least from my vantage point, to expect that not everything would be measurable. But at least at this level, I expect you, and I, and I hear your sentiment, that there needs to be some things that are explicitly measurable and for which we, you know, we can say emphatically, it was X, you did Y, did it get you to Z? And I think 
in this case, I hope I've, I've conveyed that that in most cases that's what that, that's what we've attempted and, and I believe have, uh, have put forward. And I think in some cases you won't get to Z, but we'll know that you did X. Oh, and I think the court can hold the team accountable for at least doing what they said they were going to do. And if it doesn't get us to, to Z, what do we, we need a new plan? Right. What did we learn? What changed? Uh, and in fact, you know, it may well be. Uh, uh, just you, you understand. We we are we, you know, we, we make these plans and we set out what we're we're going to do. We don't know what's going to happen in the world, right? So so I'm putting these out and I'm going to hold people accountable to getting them done. But I also have to be flexible uh, to know that if, if 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 something can't get done because the circumstances under which we thought they were going to get done have changed or they have proved no longer. Uh, prudent to do that thing, then I can come back and say to you, we didn't do that, and here's the reason why we didn't do it, or we did do it, and to Joe's point, it didn't actually net the outcome. I mean, that that one could say that in every aspect of of our life, you know, sure. and um, so that isn't that isn't something that that I I don't acknowledge. I, I acknowledge that fully, and I and I understand Joe's Joe's position about that. Uh, I, you know, let, uh, for the sake of moving the agenda forward. Can I, can um, I just say one? So, uh, so it, this is a rolling, like, living document, right? So if you, if you look at where you can go back mm -hmm. and add a metric, mm -hmm. try and see within the group. For example, you know, in your quality accreditation, there's something ensure compliance to CDPH survey requirements. Yes. Yeah. And it, the measure says appropriate and timely response to surveys. I mean, I think with your, with your you know, Mm -hmm. Executive committee, there could be some metric. What does timely mean? What timely means to you doesn't mean to me. So, certain just if there's any level of clarity or measure that could be added, go, going back and doing it, that would help. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, just one question. What's yes, the frequency of reporting on the progress of this? And how are those reports? What are those reports? So this is so this is new. Uh, what our next steps are? We have a couple next steps that have to occur, subject to the board's approval of, of the plan. We have to um, uh, cascade this out to the rest of the organization because what has happened thus far is everything's rolled up. We've jiggered with it, opined about it, and that's what you have now. Once that gets uh, uh, approved, we have to cascade it back out. But then we work with the leaders of each of these areas to create how we're going to do the tracking of this. So we have a template of a tool that we're going to work with people to design. Uh, and then we're going to work on that reporting. So we have mechanisms and meetings and other sorts of uh, mechanisms in place that we will make sure the reporting happens there. Uh, at the board level, it's, it's your prerogative, right? If you say, I would expect that you would want something like a monthly update at least, of where we are on the goals, and I would perhaps just do, you know, in the interest of time, not walk through every single one of them, but show you, you know, we probably have a dashboard, basically. This is red, this is green, this is this is yellow. Let me focus on the reds and tell you why, uh, or focus on the yellows and, and, and tell you why. Hopefully there's not a lot of red, like red. Um, it's a beautiful color. Uh, <laughs> but, but, you know, we, we would sort of do it that way. But that would at least be on a monthly basis, but it also could be ad hoc, you know, because... It is the case, um, actually, some of the metrics, like, for example, the, the goal on, um, on um, the employee engagement. Sorry, going back to this. Yeah, the, the employee engagement one. 
we're not going to rescore this until we do the survey again. And we're doing, uh, if you, uh, in the detail you'll see, we're doing a focused survey. So, so because we're doing Just Culture, the one that's next to it, one of the requirements for the Beta Heart Initiative that we told you about that we're doing, that's kind of our Just Culture pathway, is that we have to do a culture of patient safety survey again. And we're going to do that roughly February, I believe, is what we're looking at. And it's organization-wide, and we're just like, survey fatigue is driving people nuts, mm -hmm. right? So we don't want to do that. Uh, we have to do that one for this. And for this, we said, we're focusing on these groups. That's where the intervention is. So when we do a survey at the end of the year, we're not going to do a, a we're no longer proposing to do a full-on organization-wide employee engagement survey. We're going to work with these 44 units and say, we know where you were before. We've now done an intervention, the one that we described for you. Where are you now? You know, are you still below 70 as an APR? We're thinking that, and this was, you know, we thought, an aggressive goal because people, we have some scores that are as low as 25 and 35 in some areas. Uh, so we're trying to move the, the net group above 70. So we expect that there will be some who won't uh, uh, reach that mark. But, we're, but we can say, you know, uh, where are you? So, so for example, to your point, you know, I will report on these and it may be that it's, it's you know, green or yellow because the plan is moving forward, but I won't know the score until we actually do the survey. Uh, so there's some like that that you know we yeah, maybe lagging because of the frequency of being able to track them. But most of them lend themselves to a monthly uh, update. Anthony has a question, and then Maria also. Um, I was going to ask you something under finance, but under EBITDA, which is a non-GAAP uh, equation to begin with, we have negative five percent. No, I'm sorry, that was a dash. Okay. Uh, it's five. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> 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 when it was on the same line, it was a gas. Yeah. Yeah, right, we should take that out. Sorry. And in cash feed 68, and I can ask this under finance if it's better for you. Um, is that a cash um, moving event, or is it like right off a of bad debt? Because if it's a cash event, why are we taking it out of our EBITDA equation? It's a non Okay, that's what I want. Great question. Yeah. What was the answer, David? It's a non cash It's a non cash event. If we were budgeting to something that was a cash event, I would be very worried about us throwing that much off the books. So, thank you. Thank you. Maria. Yeah, um, I think you have this somewhere in other materials related to the strategic plan, mm -hmm. but it might be helpful also for the new members that we um, have one document that has the statements related to each of these particular pillars. Um, I know you've oh, listed yes. them. But it'd be great to assess how we're doing based on the narrative behind each of these. So yes. I, I think I've seen something where it says we will provide access mm -hmm. to um, uh, diverse populations in all settings or something. Mm -hmm. I mean, there is a statement associated with those. Okay. It's can, not just the pillar, right? And I think that too is important for us to have mm -hmm. in front of us when we look at our progress sure. because sometimes we get into a a frenzy about identifying a metric or identifying some measure and when you go back to what your original intended statement is it's so far from it that you're not really changing access you're moving the dial on this metric over here but yes. what do we, yeah so excellent point and 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 some of that will evolve so actually um, so we can provide that as, as a short answer uh, just just to be sure that it's integrated into the document as we go forward. That's Absolutely. All. Yeah. But, but to the point that you're making, for example, uh, this year, um, one of the things I pointed out in the last meeting, clinic visits is, is still just, you know, every visit is a visit is a visit, right? So what we know is as, as we move forward to capitation, we need to be making sure that, you know, 
every uh, every visit as much as possible is value added, and I don't mean to suggest that the current ones aren't, but they may be less value added and not be consistent with what managed, uh, managed care objectives may be with respect to access. So one of the things that we're doing in some of these uh, metrics is creating, or some of these pillars is creating what we're calling watch metrics. Uh, so for example, in visits, we're, we're now saying, we're gonna start to track our experience on new patient visits. So not just all visits, but new patients, which is a greater indication of how many people are getting access um, into the organization. Uh, and we don't want to hold ourselves to that now because it's a new thing and or, or create some sort of you know, arbitrary goal around it. But we at least want to start tracking it now. And next year, this goal actually may re resort to something that's a lot, a lot more focused that gets to furthering our uh, uh, um, ability to deliver on what the sort of overarching uh, goal of each of the pillars were. And at that point, I, I, to that end, I want to point out something. I apologize for not doing this sooner. Um, the pillars, and I do the pillar-based updates for you, you're probably used to this one being called integration. It's always quite confusing for people, probably for you, but also folks in, to the organization. It was integration because it was sort of, the notion was it was a uh, way to make sure that we are aligning the goals and sort of motivations of our providers uh, with the uh, goals and imperatives of the organization. So it's sort of, it's sort of integration, but it was all about quality stuff, and so we were like, why don't we just call it quality? And it's, you know, not being too, too, it's like too cute. <laughs> so, so we changed it. So that pillar used to be called integration, and so we should have pointed that out, but it's called quality. Okay. Oh, so, so I'll go ahead and, I'll go ahead and wrap up. So the last thing I wanted to point out, two last things actually, uh, one of which the slide reflects here. Uh, is that, uh, as we said in the last meeting, so there, there were about 88 goals uh, that were put forth in aggregate for all these groups, and obviously, um, um, I use Michelle's uh, quote again, you can, you can do all you want, you just can't do everything, and so we, we really are trying to make a uh, purpose effort to pare this down, and even still feel like it's quite aggressive. There are a few overlapping goals within the uh, SBUs, if you look into the detail, and we're pretty proud of that, <laughs> because that suggests uh, a greater consistency, but we didn't throw all this good thinking away. We put it in what we're calling our parking lot. Uh, it's virtual in nature, but we're gonna have it all as a list. And this then will become, and I apologize for not having this up, but we have a cycle for a planning cycle for each year that we put forward working with uh, our strategy uh, and business planning group. And effectively, the planning for the next fiscal year starts next month, uh, or January, I should say. And so uh, where we will start in January is at the beginning, so we look at that overarching plan. We're going into, you know, July will be year two of the strategic plan. So are we moving towards some of the transitional elements? And some of that will be some of the things that are in our parking lot, which in some cases are sort of step two of what we've identified as the goal, uh, the goal put here, or like, you know, the, the, uh, the next logical step from that. Some of that could be a lot more of this because now we've created the foundation for it. Uh, so, so we won't be starting de novo when we do our planning. We'll take all those things here. Uh, we understand that, you know, at the early stages, a lot of our plans will be premised off of a um, a, um, a hypothesis that we've actually achieved the goals that we put forward here. Um, and so, we're we're planning to go beyond those things as we get closer to finalizing the planning process and uh, translating it into a budget that we bring before you, we'll have more experience that we can refine it as we go along, but we can't wait until that to actually start our planning. So so that's where you know a lot of the other uh, 
thinking ideas, continuation of getting us to the three to five year uh, targets. We'll, we'll, that's how they will get interwoven into successive years of, of, uh, of planning and execution. That's how we hope so. All right. I think I've said enough. Okay. So, and, and what is it that you want from the board? So, uh, this is a an action item. I'm 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 asking uh, for the board's endorsement of the the strategic plan. Uh, now, having seen the full on plan and had uh, several discussions of mm -hmm. it, and uh, the first year's operation. So, so the 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 the, uh, the action item is the endorsement of the the plan. Okay, so can I have a motion to approve the plan? I, I move that we approve the plan. A second. Second, okay. Um, all those in favor? Aye. 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 Okay. Thank you. I'm going to Thank abstain. Um, and, and I want to make certain that it's really understood that I really appreciate the work that's gone into this. Because I don't understand it well enough, I just can't. I just can't give it my my endorsement. Uh, so, but it has nothing to do with my trust or my uh, value of the work that has gone into this. Okay, please please understand that. And, and this goes back to, um, and I approve the plan. But this goes back to um, the consent calendar, actually, and all of the reports. You know, we get a report on all the contracts, and it talks about each report has certain things that are in that's in every report. The finance, or as Joe, I'm looking at Joe, because we, when we do reports in other areas, we have to talk about you know whether it's a city, mm -hmm. it, it, whether it um, is a city um, business, or whether it has a certain number of low income or diverse um, employees, or those types mm -hmm. of things. Mm -hmm. And so my point is. Um, is there any way when you report or when we have action items, you can tie it to the strategic plan to one of the one of the um, the SPUs oh, absolutely. or absolutely. yeah, that would be really helpful. You say yes. I want the board to act on this, and this is what it relates to. So yes. that's yeah. absolutely. Thank you. That's a great idea. Um, sort of mirrors some of our discussion in our executive leadership team. We're, we're going to be working on finance has what we think is a the finance committee uh, a, a planning calendar for. Uh, education items as well as sort of the uh, um, cyclical action items. Uh, we're going to be working to produce similar sort of calendars um, uh, as as we see them sort of coming up and as other things uh, for your for your um, uh, uh, use. Uh, but as other things come up, I, I like that idea that we could we could put something in that connects it to. Right. This is tied to the plan. This is why. Like for example, or tied to which. Yeah, which pillar, which yeah, if there are contracts that come forward where we're trying to implement on certain sure. things, like the Prescani one. Some of it will be intuitive, but some of it will have more to do with perhaps with the census than with the IT pillar. Or yeah, fair Thank you. Yeah, that's, uh, that's uh, And so I, I suppose it goes then to Mike Moy because we sat down and developed what an agenda, you know, what your staff is doing. So you'll now have another line in there, and it, it in some instances it might not apply, and so you just put none. Correct. But um, so agenda items now will have what Tracy is suggesting at some point on that agenda. Okay. You know, just a line that says. Is it know, tied to a strategic right. goal? Yeah. 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 Right. Yeah. Okay. okay. Thank you. Uh huh. Okay. Let's move to uh, that pass. Let's move to uh, 
Number two, please. The approval of contract with the Island Anesthesia Group. I move approval. I'll second. Discussion. I have a question. Um, I noticed in the, I don't have it in front of me, I'm open, but uh, that it said something about a, a restricted or a closed, it, 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 it closes the medical function to those specific people. Um, and we're not a closed, I don't think that they're a closed medical group. Or you mean exclusivity? Medical staff, I mean. Sorry. Is it exclusivity or? Yeah. Uh, in other words, I've uh, forgotten the phrase. I, I think this is exclusivity you're talking about. You want to, you want to, um, certainly. Um, anesthesia um, is a specialty in which it is frequent, at least in the state of California, to um, restrict the practice for that specialty to the group that is granted the agreement to provide services. In this case, it is Island, and they are, by granting exclusivity, limited to only their group providers can provide anesthesia at that hospital. Um, this is a restriction, if you will, by definition on trade, and it has been granted special exemption by the Department of Justice and interests of, because of the nature of the specialty, in order to be efficient. It would not be practical, in the words of the DOJ, to have multiple competing groups providing anesthesia. You really need to have one doing it only. This is not only restricted to anesthesia, but the other common specialties you will see the restriction for exclusivity in would be pathology as well as in radiology. Those are the three usually done that way. Okay, I, and I, it just the words brought up that thing about exactly what you said, you know, restraint of trade and some other things, and I just wondered about it. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Okay, are we ready for a vote? Okay, all those in favor? Aye. Aye. Thank you. Aye. Thank you. Um, could we have number three, approval of the second amended reinstated uh, subordination agreement and consent? Thank you. Second. Thank you. Any questions? <clears throat> All of those in favor? Aye. 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 Thank you. Motion passes. Uh, financial update. Mr. Cox? Yes, um, October results have been published. They went out uh, yesterday yes. the day before. Uh -huh. uh, I hope you notice that there's sort of uh, <clears throat> enhanced reporting at the back on the new SBUs that we've been talking about. I know Ishwari's group has been working very hard to partner with the leaders of the uh, each of the SBUs to, to provide better operational reporting. Um, <clears throat> we uh, are reporting profitable operations, fairly consistent with budget. Uh, there are some operational issues, notably registry. We've talked about that. There's a group of people uh, working on that, and uh, we'll be reporting in uh, future months. Um, <clears throat> we're fine with the county on all of our compliance requirements. Uh, let's talk about contracts. So we are actually making progress in our contracts. We're in active negotiations with Blue Shield, which, which is one of the biggest contracts, uh, meaning that we have uh, proposals going back and forth. Uh, what's occurred there is that uh, we mentioned before that there's been community uh, support, medical staff support <clears throat> for this contract that's brought them to the table. The other thing is that the collection ratio on that, that business has increased from 30% to 60%. So even though the volume is down a little bit, the cash receipts to us and the amount that this company is paying has gone way up and that has got their attention. Uh -huh. Okay. 
Uh, so we are very, at this point, you know, fairly confident that we'll resolve that in the next few months. So that, that'll be a nice one. Um, <clears throat> another thing that's going on is we've approached Affinity, which is the medical group. And this is aligned with Stanford, but they're in that community. And this, these would really be the physicians that support that hospital right now because we don't have our own PCP group. Affinity, um, number one, uh, subcontracts with most of these plans, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, they, they take the risk for obviously physician services, but also ancillary services, lab, radiology, and we're contracted with them already. So they can send patients, and, and due to I think some miscommunication, they sort of said, okay, well, you know, we're going to send them elsewhere. But the thing that's going on is that they want to uh, introduce a Medicare Advantage product into the market which is really good for us because Kaiser is the dominant provider of Medicare. So we could have a, a Medi-Cal patient for entire life, they turn 65, they select Kaiser Medicare, they're gone. Okay, don't get them. So we want to encourage this. Um, now, when... Uh, is Affinity, some, David, the only group that's doing doing that? The uh, uh, No, Hill, Hill Physicians is doing this. There's a number of other products in the market, but... Affinity is important to us because they're actually in our market. So uh, we're going to help them do that. We're meeting with them actively. Uh, but the good thing is when they have a Medicare Advantage product, they need a hospital. And the one they're going to want to use is not Sutter Alta Bates, not Sutter Summit. They're <coughs> going to use Alameda Hospital. And so what we're going to do is uh, help them with that, but also say, you know, this hospital is important, call the plans and tell them to get contracted with AHS. So that's working. Um, United, uh, we, uh, they have approached us and said they want a system-wide agreement and they want to introduce a third Medi-Cal product in the county. I said fine. So we've extended their contract <laughs> out until next July. So we have a full commercial contract and uh, we'll be working with them. So you you extended the commercial contract for the core. For no. yeah. So there's still no contract at Alameda or the system you said. I, I meant the system, I'm sorry. But there's no so you what did you extend? This is Medicaid Medical, not what well, we have no. we're talking about a commercial contract right. with United. Right. Okay. Which they, they have come to us and said we want a Medical product too. Right. We said great, take your commercial contract. Extend it out to July, and in the meantime, let's negotiate a medical contract. But, the, but right now, there's no commercial contract for United in, at Alameda Hospital. We've, we've put it back in place. So we picked up the contract that was in place a year and a half ago or whatever? Yeah, it wasn't that long ago, but yeah. Okay. Well, that's okay. Good. So that's good. <laughs> Glad I came to the meeting. Um. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, this, you, this some, other, some other things going on is... Uh, Tricare, which is important to Alameda, is okay. Fine. Tricare, which is uh, military, retired, is switching over to United. We're helping them with that. Tricare is. Oh, I'm sorry, switching, switching to HealthNet right? switching to from United. Oh, they're switching to from United to HealthNet. Yeah. Well, and that's been an issue because Tricare, because the Coast Guard in Alameda has not been able to use the Alameda Hospital with their United Tricare. Yeah. So this will help. And of course, we have already have a contract with HealthNet. Well, why didn't you let me take you up for a drink? <laughs> well, now, now we're talking. Uh, and then the last thing is uh, Blue Cross. We've communicated with them this week saying, when are we going to get together? And they've said, 
we're still <clears throat> trying to recruit people in and promise to get us a proposal. So that's kind of where we are. Uh, in the meantime, I would point out that in the most recent month, the commercial revenue percent at Alameda jumped from 12%, which it's been for the last quarter, up to 14 So that's an indication of improvement. Working hard. Has the county given any uh, feedback relative to the appropriation share um, of, of participation in the pension plan? Sarah? Oh, you mean, oh, you're talking about in terms oh, of the uh, allocation methodology? Mm -hmm. uh, so we got word back from Asera that uh, uh, we were still on the agenda for the December 14th, uh, 12th, next Monday um, uh, meeting. So we will be presenting uh, to uh, the other members of Asera uh, our analysis and, uh, and answering any questions they may have mm -hmm. just to get clarity there. And, uh, and uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll figure out from there what the next steps are. We will come back and give you a report on okay. that. But as it stands now, we're, we're on the agenda. For yeah. Anything else, David? No. Yes. I have three questions on the balance sheet, Mr. Cox. <clears throat> what okay. is cash held for board designated? Cash held for board designated. Uh, is that the $23 million? Yes. Okay, so uh, it's part of the... Uh, relationship with the county, um, we were required to put on deposit with them our funds that they're, they're going to hold, and that's that, that's the twenty-three million. Okay. So. And um, do we have a number for accounts payable aging? How, how late are we stringing out our vendors in, in terms of payment? I didn't see that in the document. Uh, we we're actually uh, fairly current. We're so about ninety percent, thirty to sixty days. Uh, yes, certainly that. Probably better than that. Yeah. The, the number the number you're seeing is inflated a little bit because there's an internal liability between AHS and AHP, which we, in the most recent statements we've zeroed out, so it's more popular. And our accounts receivable seem to have grown in days, markedly. Um, there was a uh, upgrade to our billing system a couple of months ago, which um, there were um, disruptions. Didn't go particularly well. Uh, our billing department was actually down for about two weeks, and there were a number of other things that we're trying to dig out. Of <clears throat> uh, I can report that cash collections in November have been much stronger than they were in uh, the last two months. So I think we've hit the peak, and we should be. No, I laugh because it seems like every time in my world we've done something to improve productivity, we're dead for three months, and then hopefully yeah. it works. So yeah. <laughs> those, those, those upgrades. <laughs> exactly. So. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, um, board, the, the committee reports are there for your information. I, I would like to um, make the statement that I let Terry Lightfoot know that his write-up on the California um, piece was very good on legislative. Yeah, very, very helpful. And we'll do that with our partner in, in Sacramento. Yeah, I thought it was very, very helpful, very specific. There was a little error in his write-up that the Republicans had both um, houses of Congress in 1953 and from 2003 to 2007 they had the presidency in both houses of Congress. So oh. he was a little out on the national level. That's right. Level, he forgot that. Yeah. That's right. Okay. So That's right. nice to know. Michelle. <laughs> That's okay. He'll take the friendly amendment. Yes. I have a Just question about the ledger part, um, the and this could be probably for Delvecchio. Is there any um, update on the uh, the Eden? And the LAFCO? No, great question. We, um, 
We checked last week because we were expecting the draft report of the second assessment in November. Uh, I think was what we anticipated. Uh, and it, I don't think it came out. I, the last time I asked about it was right before Thanksgiving. Uh, somehow, and I forget through who I'd spoken to, I, or I'd heard, I'd, they, of course, LAFCO had a meeting after the public meeting. And for some reason, I think I'd heard that that report was now going to be out in January. So. I don't so, think a decision has been made, but I hadn't heard anything either. No, the 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 report has to precede the decision. Uh, the report, I think, will be out and then probably subject to uh, consumption and feedback, of, of which then uh, LAFCO will probably make a decision about what their what their intentions are. Okay, thank you. Um, is are there any information for public comment? Okay, thank you. Then the board is going to adjourn into closed session, and we will talk uh, conference with the labor negotiator and pending litigation as prescribed by the Brown Act. Got it. Thank you.